Welcome to the Somewhat to Say podcast. I'm Chip Nill, pastor in eastern Washington, father of four, happily married, and I'm glad to be here. I'm Justin Heineke. Um, I've uh, lived in eastern Washington half my life. Um, I've got a degree in uh, from Gonzaga in English and a master's from Bemidji State in English, and I am also uh, married with a father of four. And what would you say the purpose behind this podcast is i think within christian circles and especially believers they feel like there's a sense of uh obstacles in talking about a lot of subjects within their faith communities within their churches and with other believers and certain things that people just don't discuss candidly and i think that we ought to as believers have honest discussions about anything any faith should be able to be explored and any subject should be able to be explored through the lens of God and the Bible. And so I'm excited to do that. Yeah, and um, there's a lot of issues. I've talked with coworkers, for instance, that um, that um, have could have biblical aspects. And I've always wanted to have the answers for that. And I think that I feel like this will be a way to explore the answers with that uh, about that without having to um, sound stilted. So I'm looking forward to this. So what do we want to talk about today? Are we starting? Yeah, we're on. Oh. We're live. We got all kinds of things. We got lists of things. Yeah, we do, don't we? What are you into? What are you into today? Well, um, I like the idea of talking about the, uh, well, the capitalism, socialism, income equality thing part. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And that's very relevant right now. It is. It is. So we could do that. Watch. See? It switched. We're in. We're, I didn't see it, so I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> so you're like drinking your coffee. I'm just drinking a cup of coffee. <laughs> Are you doing something here? I don't know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> I feel like even when you just even mentioned the idea of capitalism, socialism, mm -hmm. most Christians just are like socialism it equals the devil the end like it's just there's not even a conversation there right but i think it's worth even just talking about just exploring yeah even if you don't agree with the basic premise and you're and you're you have the understanding that the people who want socialism don't understand socialism right so there's always that you know because there's a they'll be like oh well the true socialism hasn't been tried right. you know we're gonna do it the true way I feel like to start the conversation, I always want to say this about anything that's not a clear-cut biblical issue. You could be a socialist Christian. You could really? Be. I think so. Huh. Okay. Why is that? I, I don't see any reason why it would be incumbent upon understanding the gospel to accept a system of economics. Those are totally related, unrelated things. And I could actually see, and we can talk about this, certainly explore this, the argument on both sides of what feels biblical. I know many Christians that identify with socialistic principles that point to a lot of the things that Jesus did and say, that's socialism. That's what I was going to get to also, yeah. And so I think to start off, 
regardless of what you believe is a is the best economic principle mm -hmm. and maybe even with biblical principles to support it i would say this we have to be careful as believers as making it a an issue of somebody's christianity somebody's salvation somebody's love for jesus um so you think there's people that are like if you're socialism you're not saved if you're absolutely Absolutely. You're going to tell me you have not heard from staunch conservative Christians that socialists are evil. No, well, no, socialists are evil, but that I haven't heard them say specifically, if you're a socialist, you're not saved. That's, I don't know that I've heard it put that way, but I have heard Socialist. socialists are evil, which equates it obviously with sinfulness with an evil lifestyle, with an evil mindset, with an unregenerate mind. Well, I think um, the idea... <coughs> I think so far as the fact that a socialist wants to destroy an entire... You know, so if you want your country to be socialism, it's, um, it's to destroy an entire way of life. And I don't know, that to me sounds inherently evil when that way of life is responsible for so much, many freedoms you've had. I think it's important that we think about that not from our perspective, yeah. but from the perspective of the person that's making the claim. Right? Okay. I don't think any, probably even the worst socialist, there's certainly people that would say what you just said, way in some, you know, far region of the left. But even like, a, if a Christian said, man, I think there's some value in socialistic principles. They wouldn't agree with at all with that statement, right? They wouldn't well, say, I want to destroy the fabric of the capitalistic society. And Well, that's you know essentially what, I mean? what it does in the long run. I mean, they're, they're like, they want, so, they'll call it socialism light at first, but it never stops yeah. there. Or then they'll call it democratic socialism, which is not a thing. Right. I mean, people are lying to themselves if they think that democratic socialism is the thing, it's right. not. And I think, but I think that's part of the obstacle in a lot of these conversations. Yeah, is we read into people what we believe is the ultimate ramifications of their choices and mm -hmm. their beliefs. Okay, and then just meet them on those levels instead of hearing what they're saying today. You know what I mean? Right. And so we say, "Oh, you're socialist, therefore you want this," when they don't even know that that's what they're. What, what they're thinking is going to lead to, they're not even thinking that way. So most of the socialists I have talked to that are Christian would say things like, we have all of these public programs, and that's socialism, and we just want to expand those to create a general well-being and standard of living in a first world country. So they say, we got police, you got firefighters, you got somewhat socialized medicine, Halfway. See, they're equating two. Um, I know that's a fallacy of some sort, but they're equating two different social socialist programs that has two different meanings. Right. I mean, you have because the the welfare or the not the welfare programs, but the municipality type programs like that, right. like the garbage pickup, the fire department, and all that. That's those are technically socialist programs, but that doesn't fall under the same category of the right. stuff over here that they're talking about. 
but they have no problem taking those two ideas and intermingling them to prove their point. Right. And I would say capitalists do the same to argue against socialistic principles or public service um, programs that mm -hmm. they don't like. So I think a lot of, especially young people, have been pushed to socialism because they say things like, man, healthcare is messed up, which that's a whole conversation of itself, but I think we could agree. It's yes. pretty messed up. Yes, it is. When and you got to choose between being able to function for the rest of your life and putting your family into debt. Right. Or the, they choose for you. Yeah. You know, they're like, you can't afford that. Right. You know, because I know I've, I haven't gotten the best care the last few years because I've been using state insurance. Which is like a, it really is a nightmare. Yeah, it is. Because there's only like one dentist we found here in the area that will accept adults with state insurance. And then they're backed up for 50 years, and then yeah. when you go there, you realize, man, they could not care less about anything. <laughs> the one I had in Bemidji, like, two things that they've worked on have fallen out of my mouth. Though. Yeah. Because, you know, they basically didn't care. And I'm pretty sure the dentist there, the last one that worked, or the first one that worked on my teeth was either drunk or still hung over, over both. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He was one of those guys. He looked yeah. like maybe he had served in... Uh, I don't know if he was old enough to serve in Vietnam, but, you know, that kind of thing. And he just looked like he didn't care anymore about anything. Yeah. And that's the kind of doctors you get in these, like, you know, hodunk towns. Right. That with the, with the community health programs. So you get, like, a kid, you know, somebody young that says, okay, obviously this is messed up. Yeah. Maybe the answer is socialized medicine. Mm-hmm. And then you get a bunch of capitalists that look at him and go, well, you're just a socialist. Right. And so he goes, well, I guess I am then. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's from, it's from every angle where it's just equating, like you said, public services, you know, general municipalities, even socialistic programs. One guy said even socialism. NASA was a socialist program. I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> No, that's a science program. It's right. not, that's How is that socialism? And I would say a lot of the people that are being labeled either by themselves or by capitalists as socialists are people that just literally believe every tax-funded program is socialism, and we just need more of those. Hmm. Yeah. Um, socialist programs. Um, yeah, I'm not saying... Eventually, you start socialism, pro socialist programs. You're not gonna. You're starting to move away from the idea of the capitalist society, though. Right. I mean the the real socialist programs. So, but it's like how I feel like a hypocrite talking about them in a bad way because I have to depend on a state insurance. I have to depend on my daughter getting her social security right. checks. You know, and so, but I'm like I would rather not. I would say it's a really it's an interesting thing because I would say there's very few people that have no reliance on any social programs. Yeah. And have never in their life. That's a very small percentage of the population. Right. Or like social security. I mean, um, there's people collecting it now. Right. You know, my, I don't, uh, the, the people that are collecting it now that are over 65, they've collected, or, you know, my dad, 
they've probably collected more than than they paid into it. Um, or, yeah. You know, within within the first ten years of collecting it, they've already collected more than they've ever paid into it. Right. And uh, you know, they're saying that they they they're getting mad because people you know, that have never paid into it or have barely paid into it or collecting social security because of disability or something. Right. So, and, but they don't, you know, they don't see, they're applying the double standard because they don't see that they've already gone past what they've, they've paid right. into. So I know it's a vicious circle. You're like, well, you're doing this well, you're doing this well, you're doing this well, you're doing this. And everybody's saying that while turning a blind eye to the fact that they're doing it too. Right. So like, yeah, like you said, with the, the capital I'll say creationist and then that's a whole different other <laughs> that's a different conversation yeah so like you said with the capitalists so that's kind of interesting and you know that we know that the current presidential administration is kind of into uh, socialist programs right and that they tie they, they've tied it into all the stimulus packages and you know expanding green new deals which is going to be expanding socials programs which everything like that you know giving bonuses here or um, rebates or incentives I should say right and tied into this whole program this whole mess of a thing and uh, I feel like there's several conversations in this yeah so like I, I think it's important to start with the idea that this is not necessarily a biblical issue in the general middle section of where you land. So when a Christian says, or somebody said that Jesus was a socialist, is there a specific verse that there, I mean, could you point to a specific verse? Do you have one in mind? Sir, well, I could point to several. So obviously they bring up the idea that he, you know, fed the 5,000, right? Okay. There's a specific one where, let me see. Let me, gonna, let me get this real quick. Let me get this ready so I can pull it up on here. Matthew 19:21. Okay, let me pull this up and then switch this around to where we can see it on our screen. So where Jesus is, I'll let you get up there. We'll talk about it. But when Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler that comes and says, you know, good master of a teacher what's the secret of eternal life and so he starts with we'll be perfect follow the law which obviously wasn't possible but the but guy he says said I've he done did, that yeah. you know so he goes okay if you've done that go and sell everything, everything that you have, have and give it to the poor right mm-hmm. that's what he says to do and now shall have treasure in heaven and, you've, and then follow me so he makes that statement give to the poor and this is a whole nother conversation but but that principle is pretty universal through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, of giving to the poor. Okay. So now the capitalist, of course, makes the distinction between that being government forced and that being willingly as an individual choice. Right. And I think as a good capitalists I would say that everybody should be given a choice for that not being right. forced so the verse 19 or 1921 says Jesus said unto him if thou wilt be perfect go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me but uh, 
And the argument is that Jesus's opinion was that the rich, those with wealth, ought to have a responsibility to give to those with less. Well, I think that maybe that should be an inherent thing to be generous when you're a Christian, but I don't know if, you know, that means give to the poor, right? I mean, necessarily, that doesn't mean give everything you have to the poor. Well, that's a whole conversation in and of itself of going through the Bible and finding out what does the Bible say about people's responsibility. <laughs> I told you that was <laughs> You're oh, blowing up sodas over there. <laughs> I'll just let it settle for a bit. <laughs> of the responsibility of, of to those with less. Okay. Um, and I think we have a conversation about that, and I think there's a lot of scriptures that are very interesting that I feel like have been not looked at in an American Christian mindset. We've kind of ignored a lot of these I can't tell you how many times I've heard Christians go, well, that, Jesus wasn't really telling them to go sell and give it to the poor. He was just testing them. I he didn't really mean to do it. I think he was. He knew that that was an idol in the guy's life, and he was telling him to get rid of it. Right. You know, because if he had held on to even one little thing, it would still be there instead of putting what's important, Jesus, following him, in, right. in, in, in its place. And as long as that guy, that particular individual had any ties to his wealth he wasn't right gonna be the guy that he needed to be that's that's my particular assessment of the verse right and i, I think, think that's fair. fair yeah but, but i think, think we also, also can't miss what jesus literally said right he yeah literally told him so there's something there's something in that and so well that's like i said well yeah he's saying you're not supposed to have thou shall not have false idols right. and that was the guy's false idol Right. So anything he, his stuff, was his, was his idol. So he's. I think. I think that was. I think you know that maybe the lesson in that for me, in my opinion, would be, if this is that big of an issue for you, you need to get rid of it. If that having stuff and having that money, yeah, that that needs to go away. I don't think he's telling everybody get rid of their stuff just if it's a problem i think that's fair i think that's fair and of course a separate issue and maybe one we don't want to explore right now is going through the bible and looking at a lot of these verses throughout the old testament throughout the new testament throughout even the epistles that talk about a christian's responsibility to help other people and the needs of others there's a lot of verses on there that i feel like as specifically americans we've kind of just skipped over for example, and this isn't our topic today, but covetousness is a serious sin in the New Testament. In First Corinthians, where the guy is church disciplined, um, meaning he's asked, you're not part of the church anymore because of his adultery specifically, he lists these sins that says, you ought to deal with these. These ought to be matters of church discipline. And within that is covetousness. And I would say if there's one sin that in America we just totally turn a blind eye to we don't pay attention to it we pretend it's no big deal it's covetousness well it's that's that's i think the um 
capitalist word for that would be advertising, right? <laughs> yeah, it might be. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, advertising takes takes advantage of that because I think it's a natural thing for. I mean, not this, not a good one, but it's a natural thing for 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 men to want more, to want right. you know something better. And I would say, predominantly, the issue in people's hearts from capitalism and socialism that argument is fueled by covetousness on both sides for most and that's why i think the christian can vacillate somewhere in the middle and still be a a good believer without being covetous because there's a lot of wiggle room in there in the idea of what is socialism and how many social programs equate socialism how many do we get rid of before technically you know there's a huge middle room there but the idea of the all the way on the left socialist is the person who has nothing because they don't work for anything mm-hmm. and says, I want you to give it to me. It's covetousness. But all the way on the right is that rich billionaire who has more than he could ever possibly need and says, I don't want anybody taking one. I'm not giving a dime to nobody. And it's covetousness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And so I don't think the issue of what makes it godly or ungodly is the title on the economic principle but the heart of the desire behind it. Okay. And so that's why, as we talk about this, I want to be careful of saying there's godly and good over here and there's wicked and bad over here based on an economic principle. When really it's based on the condition of the heart. Hmm. And I would say this, maybe even just to, I think we could agree, and I think most people that would listen to this, or you and I, of course, would say all the way on the left in the terms of pure, undefiled socialism slash communism, which it always becomes, yes. is something that has a lot of evil in it. Has always been evil. Every society has tried it, has had evil. Been inherently evil. And there's death and destruction on that side. Absolutely. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Most people that listen to this, I don't think would argue with that. But I would say this, if we go all the way the other direction, Mm -hmm. and if we said we were going to be pure, laissez-faire, no programs, no nothing, I would say if we did that, I would say that's that's evil too. If we said, hey, listen, you got sick, and you can't pay your medical bills, you die. Sorry, I hit the street and die. I've had such a big problem with that. You get fired from your job? And you can't find another job? Sorry, you starved to death. You know, if we had literally kids starving to death on the streets, I think every believer would go, that's not, that's not godly. No, that's not I know. a godly example of society. No. So I'd say if we go either extreme, we can say which one's more evil. Well, I think that, well, if you want, and you know I think I mean? the, the one letting the kids starve would be more evil. <laughs> It's, it's kind of hard to, you know what I mean? We can look at the worst of each one, but where we really are as a society is something in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the question, I feel like, where it gets really weird as Americans is we start pinning this is American and this is un-American, this is Christian, this is unchristian. Right. When really we're talking about degrees on the dial. Mm-hmm. And let's ask this question. How many social programs are too many? Oh, boy. And where do you... That's our argument, right? Right. I mean, we've almost got socialized medicine now. I mean, you don't get the... If, you, if you're if you really bad, you might not get... 
you might not get the programs to make everything better um, in socialized medicine, but you get some help, right? Even if you can't afford it. But I think so. I think it's that's kind of here. We've got socialized medicine light yeah. right now. I think the thing that's coming next though is is uh, UBI. Yeah. I think universal basic income is within. I'd want to say I bet you it's brought up as a bill that they debate on it in Congress by the end of the year. It seems like it. There's a lot of whispers of it from a lot of Democrats. I know, and and Republicans now. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, look, look at the way that they're they're talking about the stimulus packages, right? They're just stringing it along with little bits at a time, right. which almost seem like paychecks with the size that they are. Yeah, and eventually they'll be like, oh, they're already talking about the next one after after the. They finally get the fourteen hundred out that they keep been talking about for right. months, and then they're talking about three checks this year. Yeah, I'm like that's a lot. So, and then they're comparing it to, was it Norway or something, one of those socialist countries over there that have given a you know monthly payments, yeah. and I think I think they're going to head that way. And everybody's going to get something until this is over, but it's not going to be ever be over. They're using this as an excuse to introduce universal basic income. I, I think, think so. I mean, I think. I think it's going to lead yeah. it. I mean, for sure. Which I hate that as an idea. I absolutely hate that as an idea. Because so many people that could do something with their lives are not going to do anything now. Because they they'll have universal basic income however that's something i can use very much <laughs> at this point yeah, in my life and but i hate the fact that i need that yeah so it's like i feel like a hypocrite for talking about it in a bad way at the same because i would use it i wouldn't refuse it right and at the same time you know it's like i can see it coming and i think everybody can and some people just don't want to talk about it and some people want to make sure you're not talking about it yet yeah so i and so is the issue in your opinion that any of these programs equate socialism in a closer walk towards a full socialistic society and thus is dangerous and we should avoid it or that each one of these programs needs to be evaluated in its own merit and its own effect. Well, I think I think every program's a baby step that way. But at the same time, they should be individually um, looked at on their based on their own merits. I mean, because let's let's face it: if you're accepting one program, like we've we've basically, you know, yeah, nobody should have to die because they don't have the money for for medicine and it's like okay great then you're going to end up with universal health care right and uh, so that's one but that moves that moves everything towards it's because look the only they're they're looking at you know they're looking at universal health care in such the wrong way and it's i i equate it to um a fireman trying to fight a fire from the top of the flames 
and you know shooting yeah. everything up at the top of the flames because that's not going to do any good. Right. That's never getting rid of the fire, but it's going to look good. Right. So where do you start when you do a fire? You start at the beginning. You start at the bottom. Mm. When what do you think of? If people are like, well, it's the evil corporations corporations behind getting these people elected i might add um (laughs) that uh that uh are the problem because they're charging too much money it's like well why are they charging too why are some of these places charging too much money um how much education do you think the ceos had yeah how much education do you think his subordinates have and that's just the people in charge of the finances when you get down to the medicine how much education does a nurse have yeah how much education does a doctor have? Doctor pays at least a quarter of a million dollars yeah. and several years of his life before he gets behind the mask in that operating yeah. room. You think he's going to work for cheap on purpose? He's got bills to pay. Right. He's got insurance. Pharmacists are charged. Ins- they have to carry their own insurance yeah. on themselves. That insurance is at least a couple thousand dollars a month yeah. on top of their student loans. So do you think they're going to do that for cheap? Right. Yeah. So what does that mean? That means you got to make it cheaper for them to learn these things. Okay. And that means free education. Okay. That is, it's like, if you guys want to have this conversation about having universal health care and making it cheap for all, you can't start at the top where everything's already gotten into place. All the problems have already gotten into place. You got to start at the beginning where the problems start, where the money starts building up, and that's education. And And that's interesting because statistically, less and less people are wanting to become doctors for that very reason. Yeah. It's not even cost-effective as where 30, 40 years ago, that was like the best-paying job you could think of. Like, you could become a doctor, man. There were less regulations, too. You, You have it made. We're now exactly. it's not that way. No. You really don't live that well off as a doctor no. for many years unless you, I mean, you got to really make it. Well, like the guy that owns the Minnesota soccer team, mm-hmm. the guy that owned the Lakers, mm-hmm. they were doctors. Right. You know, but they were old doctors right. after they have already made it. So I think we're, I think that we are headed to universal health care. But they're going about it the wrong way, and it's going to cost way more money. They, agree, yeah. you know, it's like, all right, I don't like the idea. I don't like the idea, but they're going to have to make education free for everybody. So then, that's another socialistic principle. Yes, it is. That you're going to put in place. I know. See, baby steps. Right. Everything on their own is baby steps towards the same thing. Which then you. That doesn't even solve even probably some of the bigger issues where most of the money that's going. That has to get paid to healthcare is not going to doctors and nurses and pharmacists. It's going to the people that manufacture these machines and the people that you know produce these medicines. The people that have. I mean, I know, but the one thing everybody in the chain has in common is they all had to pay for some level of education to be involved. But I don't think. I mean, for doctors and nurses, I agree. And the executives. Right. But I would say for the people, the companies that are profiting off of making mattresses that are specifically for hospitals that are marked up, you know, 5,000 times more than any other mattress, 
all of that equipment, all the pharmaceuticals, those companies are not basing their profits off of the education system. But their mindset is. Agreed, yeah. Do you think these people would have a different way of looking at things if it wasn't so expensive to, for them to get in the position that they have to make these decisions? I don't think so. You think it would be the same? I think for the doctors it would be different. I think for nurses. I think for people that are doing healthcare. You don't think yes. for executives it would be different? I don't think the corporate, the pharmaceutical companies, I don't think they would lower drug prices based off of how much education they needed to get into that position or not. Well, see, the idea is going to come around that education needs to be free too. Oh, that's already a big deal. Oh, I know. I meant, but it's going to become more so. It's going to become a part of the universal healthcare conversation eventually. Yeah. And I think they're going to start off with, well, let's just have it free for the people involved in healthcare, And then you're going to have everybody fighting it that is not a part of the healthcare system. Right. So then it's going to, that's going to bog down. And then it's going to take saying, well, fine, let's just make it free for everybody. Yeah. And I think we're going to see that within a decade. I think we're going to see the way it looks like. To me, this is my opinion. I think we're more likely to see free college before we see universal health care. No, that's what I mean. Because okay. right? they're going to say health care, health care, health care. And then they're going to eventually, it's not going to work. And they're going to see this until they make the education to get involved free. Yeah. And then they're going to have to make education free in order to have free health care. So I, that's that's what I mean. It's so the question. So is, everything's baby steps along the same path. But the question is, is that inherently bad? I think. Well, it's just like saying money is the root of all evil, right? Well, no, I know. Right. I'm just saying that it, it just depends on the mindset of the person who has the money. Well, the Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. I know. It's, that's a thing everyone right, says. Right, But So it's like, it just depends on the mindset of the person involved. Because you're going to have a guy that looks at the whole situation and go, great, I can make something of my life without having to worry about all of this. Right. And then you're going to have another guy saying, why should I make something of my life when I have all of this? Right. So, and since... What's the verse? Evil in his heart continuously. Continuously. What's that? Do you mean? No, uh, I don't know what you mean. No, there's a verse. Um, the thoughts. Uh, something about men being inherently evil. There was the heart. The heart yeah. is deceitful and desperately wicked. And well, it, there was another one, but that's a good one too. That works. There's a lot of verses that say that mankind is not good. Right. So, it, so at a, at a point, um, you got to go back. And it's like it just depends on the individual, right? A case by case basis, if this is evil or not. And I would say that's that's really interesting because a lot of the people that are big proponents of moving all the way as far as we can to socialism, one of their main arguments is that people are good, and we make them succeed when we remove obstacles that are hindering them, that the struggles of debt, the struggles of healthcare are causing them 
to lash out in crime, in drugs, in poverty, and all those problems are a result of those things because mankind, if we just remove those obstacles, would flourish. Which I feel like, obviously, is not the biblical perspective. No. We know that's not the case. So you say socialism's like, uh, I don't know, like greed in sheep's clothing? <laughs> right. But it's interesting to me that some people can see that, but then not recognizing the same can be true in a pure laissez-faire capitalism where we say, hey, man, the problem is government regulations because these corporations is what, well, the same evil that's present on this side is going to be present on this side. And those corporations will absolutely do evil to procure the greatest profits. And so we can go all the way back to like um, where unions started, you know, and talk about the coal mines. And so for those who may not know the history of this, there were these companies that would go into these poor places and they would, you know, give jobs away and say, hey, we'll get you working in the coal mine and here you gotta get your tools and you gotta get a plane ticket, a mm-hmm. train ticket, and you gotta get, and we'll provide your housing and we'll do, give you all this stuff and we'll just take it out of your check. And they added all these numbers up and the companies had calculated that the amount of time that they're gonna spend in the coal mine to make money the amount of money they're going to make before they die is going to be less than the amount of money that they've loaned them for their tools and for their train ticket. And literally, would they, they didn't end up paying anybody anything. They all died before they even paid back what they were loaned. <laughs> and so that's where unions started and said, we're not going to take that. Yeah. And gathered around the coal mine shafts and would literally beat people to death to try to go to work. And so all the way on this other side, we can see unrestricted capitalists. Well, there's going to be evil in men's heart there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So how do we manage that the best? My point in this whole conversation is this. I think it's much more complicated from a biblical perspective even, oh, man. than to just say capitalism good, socialism bad. I think it's I think it's more complicated than that. I think it's not fair to say if you're a Christian and you're for social programs, you're evil. Well, I know. Um, I've wanted to tell people so much um, and get up and talk about how bad welfare is and people on welfare and stuff like that. And Pete Preacher's getting up and talking yeah. about that. And I've wanted to say, you need to be mindful of people that are in your audience yeah because there's there are some there are some pastors that uh their 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 families go to food banks they go yeah. to they they collect wick wicks of government pastors who don't take advantage of some social programs like that and the ones that don't are stubborn <laughs> i i think yeah. I, I mean this is money this is money the government is handing out they are not. You are not taking advantage of the government. You are. They are going to get rid of that money regardless. Right. It's going somewhere. Why not make sure it's going for something good? Yeah. And making for for making your family better. I mean, or their situation better. I don't like getting something I haven't earned, but it is going to go somewhere. And I'm not taking I'm not taking advantage of that for evil purposes, you right. know, for being lazy. 
It's like, yeah, I can't work physical jobs right now. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be at, you know, working, being lifting 200 pound things by myself again. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, so I have to do some things right now, but, uh, yeah, it's taking it, um, that money's going somewhere and that's not inherently evil or, um, if taking advantage of that stuff, I think that it just depends on, I don't know, your mind, like I said, your mindset, the individual person, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand when they say these things that you're going to be talking bad about somebody that's listening yeah. to you. Yeah. And I've had that happen a lot in our kind of churches. Yeah. And I would even say this, well, I would espouse to a more capitalistic mindset than a socialistic mindset across the board. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I would say that many Christians, just like you said, use capitalistic principles as a guise for greed mm. and claim it as a Christian principle. And so if my issue is that some of my money is going to go to somebody that's hurting legitimately, then I don't have a biblical that's not a biblical mindset. No. If I'm really bothered, oh man, somebody that's, man, they got cancer and they can't pay their bills and I got to give them money. I hate that. That's not a biblical perspective. No, it's <laughs> there is a guy, uh, a guy that, I don't know. I think if I saw him today, I'd still want to punch him. <laughs> punch him. I mean, seriously. A former drill sergeant that was proud of the fact that he could make grown men cry without raising his voice. Well, that is a skill. So a real swell guy. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he would do his taxes. He worked. He got a full pension. Mm -hmm. So, you know, right off the bat, he's making twice as much as me, right. at least. Then he was my boss. So he's making twice as much as me, at least, at Home Depot. So right. he's got both these things. His wife is working as an elementary school teacher. Yeah. So basically, they're making around six figures or close to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he was complaining that he had to pay $8,000, $10,000 in taxes. Yeah. I mean, just... And then he's like, how... And then I tell him I got money back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like, how much did you pay in taxes? And I got... I just didn't want to tell him. And he's like, come on, just ask it. And I'd tell him, and he'd get all mad. And then the more I got to know him, the more I didn't like him. Yeah. <laughs> and the more he didn't like me. Yeah. So I would gleefully tell him the next time he asked right <laughs> yeah hey guess how much i got back in taxes right in fact i have this urge if i get back what um turbo tax told me mm. to call him up <laughs> if he's still working at the same place and say hey how much did you pay in taxes this yeah. year and tell him how much i paid yeah or i'm getting back uh, but yeah um, <laughs> i don't know why i said that <laughs> just I don't know. He he he. It was selfish reasons because you know he he didn't care about anybody but having that money in his pocket. Yeah. And if I had to pay in taxes, I could understand that because I'm getting, you know, as long as it wasn't you know because I'm don't make I'm below below the poverty line. Yeah. Without a doubt, I mean, hugely below. Even if Justin left. And I didn't have, I would still be far below the right. poverty line. Uh, but I wouldn't have a problem because I'm paying into it. Right. And I know people that need that money too. Right. But, you know, it's got to be fair. 
Right. I think there should be a flat percentage. I don't think it would be based on, like, if you make 100000 you're paying two-thirds of your money back to the government. Right. Well, that's the argument. And even before we even talk about that, I would say, just to reestablish, the issue is, is evil in people's heart and greed there. Yeah. No matter what you what title you put on the economic principle, evil is gonna find a way to profit off. Oh of sure. You know? Well anytime government's in there, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe anytime you get people in there. Somebody somebody's gonna abuse the socialist principles. Somebody's gonna some billionaire's gonna abuse their power in the corporate I mean there's always gonna be some bureaucrat. Somebody in government is gonna take the pork and they're gonna put in some helpful program that they can profit off of. I mean, it's just gonna, it's just gonna happen. So where do we, how do we make things as fair as possible? And what is fair and good in all of these principles? I think it would be equal across the board. I think if you're, I think if you make someone pay taxes, if you're gonna make people, I think it would be as I think it ought to be a flat percentage. I don't think it ought to be a graduated percentage based on income level. Right. Like, I don't think Jeff Bezos should be made to give $30 billion of his wealth in taxes or whatever it's, it would end up being, that kind of thing. I don't think that's right. fair. Well, with the way that the system is set up currently, you have to make quite a bit of money to pay anything in taxes. Yeah. You really do. I know, and that's really not fair. I think, I mean, for, I, I think people, I think maybe maybe everybody should pay tax, uh, pay a percentage, because, um, but, because right now it's kind of income dis redistribution the way the tax system it works. It is. Because I'm but getting- isn't that what all welfare programs are? Yeah, yeah, it is. So I mean, if you could call it, you could take it out of the tax system and put it in some other system, but a lot of people in poverty and in lower income areas are counting on a big tax return. Right. You know, it's part of their income. So you can say, well, take that out of tax and everybody pays whatever, 8%, 9%, Well, now you're just going to supplement those people with other social programs that are provided by taxpayer money. Well, somebody said that 10, 11, was it 10, 11%, 11% was like, would have worked for everything, everything yeah. they wanted to do, yeah. and it would they would get more money back having a flat income tax yeah. on everyone than they would than the current system set up. Oh yeah, and so the, um, but then I'm saying all the people under a certain poverty line or within that would need, and we probably provide certain other programs to be able to get the money to their hands, whether it's a UBI, whether it's a stimulus check, whether it's a EBI's coming. Whatever it is, yeah. we was it would that money that people are getting tax return would still end up to those people. Yeah, but at least you know you got to have a fair basis, though, right? You got to have an equal a basis that's equal for everybody. At first, um, I mean, when you think about it, I think I think having a ten percent and then still having these social programs would benefit the poor still having the 10% would certainly benefit the rich right away because that's just 10%. Yeah. So I think that gives um, a proportionately equal um, right. weight on both sides. 
I mean, people don't look at it that way because, what did you say? About the, you know, the greed thing, you know, and so, but uh, I think you would have to look at it. Yeah, everything's got to be done equally, and but nobody wants to do it that way. Right. I mean, there's already, um, like that story that we um, happened to glance over at before we started from Tim Poole. Yeah about there being racial medicine already, people right. hoarding the vaccines for for people of different color. Right. So that's, you know, that's the thing, and that's not equal. Right. You know, or hoarding things because this person's deemed, you know how awful that term is, essential worker? <laughs> that is like the worst term they have come up with, well, in, in I don't know how long. Because yeah. that's telling a huge percentage of the population, you're not essential. What you do does not matter. Right. And that has contributed to such a bad mental state in this country. Really? And, I mean, like, I don't know. They technically probably wouldn't call me an essential worker because I'm helping adults. If I was a, um, if I was a teacher of high school students or... Are co- is college education not considered essential? I thought it was. Well... I know. Every time you hear essential worker, they'll talk about teachers with kids and keeping them safe. I have never heard them talk about college teachers as being essential. I feel like our society considers college-age kids, though. Yeah? Hmm. Maybe. Or at least the mindset of kids. Right. Like, we do not treat 18 to 22-year-olds like they're adults. We give them the rights of adults, but we don't treat them like adults. Well, do you think we should? I don't, but... <laughs> <laughs> I know. They're, I mean, I think instead of making the legal age 18, it should be 21 or 22 even. For voting? For anything. For, just just across the board. The board. You're not legally the, adult till... They made cigar- buying cigarettes 21 now. Yeah. But you can vote. That is interesting. You can be in the army at 18, but you don't have the rights as a full adult until you're 21. Which that is an interesting thing because that's never going to change. No. Not if we want to actually remain a sovereign nation. No. We're not going to go, hey, nobody can serve in the military until you're 25. Well, forget it. You know, goodbye America. (laughs) Well, they don't care about the military, so that might happen. Right. (laughs) I mean, I think... You know what's funny about that? That could be another topic about the uh, military, the size of the military. That is a whole subject worth talking about. I mean, yeah. what you just brought up, the idea of voting and whether or not should there be credentials on who can vote is a whole subject in of itself. Yeah. Because obviously it was once upon a time only landowners could vote. And there's, right? a, there's a subset of our population right now that thinks that that's where it ought to be. Right. I th- well, I think you ought to certainly be a citizen and have ID to prove that you're a citizen. Well, now, now you're already getting controversial. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't think you should be homeless and just randomly, or people sign up, whoever, you know, they're homeless, but their address is this abandoned building. Right. You know, they have a list of addresses they can put people's names under. Like, that happened this last time around. What if we just go straight to the top and say you got to take an IQ test before you vote and be above a certain mark? Oh, 
as much as I like that idea, <laughs> I think that would be considered. You just, I don't know if that would that wouldn't be fair to the people that are. Which is a whole nother question I feel like is balled up in this capitalist versus socialism question Mm -hmm. is do people actually know what's best for them? It's also a democracy question, but... Right. I think people know better than the people that think they know for them. That's, That's a good point. I mean, seriously... If you were of a certain age and era and you got a job and you held that job for 40, 50 years, mm-hmm. you would still have kind of the same mindset you started with. And I mean, it would, yeah. everything you, your viewpoint would be affected by when you started. To a certain degree, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you like, yeah, yeah, this idea is good. Let's go with that. You're still going to. You're still going to be drawing from your experiences from 50 years ago. Right, yeah. The values you came up with. So the needs that change for people, they, they change all the time. You can't say that people born 10 years ago are going to have this, or, you know, people, the, the people of different decades have, you know, are going to have different needs eventually. Right. So how is somebody that's from, that started their job looking out for what's best for us from 50 years ago gonna be able to effectively know you know they say they know what they what we need today yeah that's not happening they're not gonna i mean no matter how good of a person they think they are and how much experience they say they have they're not going to have the correct notions in their head to say that they know what's best for us right and i I think think that's that's, i really feel like that's that's an important uh, point in this conversation because in the conversation of capitalism and socialism and this drift in our society I feel like there's a there's a strong sense among some of the population to say we've got to keep everything the same mm-hmm. where I just that just isn't a realistic way to live life things have to change as life progresses society changes just the realities of what we understand you know Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, even you go back to the Great Depression, you go back to you know the Dust Bowl, and we did. We let people just starve to death. Yeah, we're not going to do that. That's not a realistic answer for our society. Yeah, I know. Like we we're not. That's not on the table. I hope at least. Well, I can give you a personal example. That's sort of. Yeah. Um, there's a. I don't obviously have a lot. Um, but sometimes I have some, I can, I can spare a few bucks here and there. Yeah. So there's this dude on Twitch. He calls himself Mr. Will Deal. And somebody asked me what, where he got that name from. And it's like, I know what, where he got that name from. If you hear Mr. Will Deal, you know, that, that in the back of your mind, you, you can hear real deal Holyfield. Oh, okay. Cause yeah, that's, we, Real deal, holy field. I wouldn't have even thought it. No, no. Uh, I just made it. Just I hear that in my head. Yeah. And there was a dude that was about my age that 
every time that I worked with that we would go out and hang out and probably do things we shouldn't have, you know, bars and whatnot. Um, he would go, Mr. Wheel, Deal, Holy Field, you know, say yeah. my first name is William. Yeah. So Will, and uh, so if somebody asked me what his name was, Mr. Wheel, Deal, I haven't asked him, but I know that's where he got it from. Yeah. Because he's not that much younger than me. Uh, he might be a little bit older than you. Okay. So he's from the same kind of era. Right. And uh, so that's, gosh, I just had a brain fart. Oh yeah, um, he's broke. Okay. He uh, COVID hit, and he was like a pharmacy representative, right? Oh okay. He was a traveling dude that right before the pandemic hit and everyone was grounded, he was gonna go to Washington, spend a long time here, being a representative for whatever company you know, because those guys like go to the doctors, they schmooze, they have catered lunches for their whole office. Have yeah. you seen this kind of setup before? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he would. He was the guy behind all of that. I mean, he had like two, he had two or three ma um, degrees. One, you know, maybe one or two masters. I can't remember. What? Hmm. I wish I could take that notification off. He just got invited to a party. It's my son. He's logged into Xbox Live on the computer. Not an actual party. No. Okay. Xbox Live party means. A group of people that can talk to each other. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured I got to explain it because somebody's going to think. For the oh, folks at home. No. <laughs> yeah. And well, you know, and then, you know, you being sarcastic and all made it seem like. That's what I do. I got to have some of that in there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, uh, so, so he was dealing with that. And then he just, you know, and his fiance uh, worked there in the office. You know, he met her and then they got engaged and he talked about how bad their job was. So she's like, you should just quit. Or we, we could quit together. Then he quit and she didn't. Nice. Yeah. Did that to him. That's, I mean, it's a little funny. The guy got messed over. But not in, you know, a real person's life. <laughs> the guy got messed over big time. Yeah. Right. And this all happened at a time when he was kind of po really popular on Mixer. Okay. Do you remember Mixer? Yeah. And so he became a full-time streamer. And then, like, a month later, Mixer just says they're shutting down. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and the guy moved into an apartment that he couldn't afford. He can't afford now. And he's going to have to move back with his mom and be given, like, oh. I know, and be given, like, two or three months to to make something of himself. Yeah. That kind of thing. His mom's. I think his mom. I think he basically said without saying that his mom's giving him an ultimatum for mm -hmm. him being allowed to move back because he moved into this apartment so he'd be closer to his son because his that's uh, you know a different relationship entirely. So the guy's struggling, yeah, big time. Mr. Wildo, your uh, whole life story is here. So just yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just, and he's doing yeah. DoorDash to try to make ends meet and barely make any money off of that, of course. And yeah. so every once in a while, he'll he'll talk about problems or something, or, you know, I could tell he looks like he's having a bad day, so I'll donate a few bucks. Yeah. And you can tell it means the world to him. Yeah. You, you know, and 
So it's like I'm not in a position of being of great wealth, but I can see when somebody has a need and I I like I want to help. I'm not going to hand a bum on the side of the street money. Right. Because I've seen these bums sitting there smoking pot on the grass next to Taco Bell while I'm in line. Right. So, but I want to, you know, I feel the need to help somebody. And since right. I know this guy has a good heart in his situation, I'm going to help. Yeah. If I can. And I think that it's interesting that often people that struggle financially are the most um, generous financially, I have found. You know? Yeah. Sometimes I'm a little too generous, I think. My wife will say. I know a lot of people that way. One of my best friends is that way. His whole, probably first 10 years of his marriage, they were dirt poor. And every time they had any kind of money, he would just give it away to, I mean, to anything. You know, and yeah. he was just that kind of person. And it was awesome, but it hurt his family, you know. I mean, he was just that generous. Right. But even the kind of the point you bring up is, as a society, that's easy to do on an individual level, as you can see. When you get face-to-face -face with people, you can tell who's struggling through no choice of their own, mm -hmm. through circumstance, and those who struggle because they just won't work or they got addictions or which is you know another conversation really of course but um through all these things that they won't help themselves and giving them money is not going to do anything mm -hmm. you know even though the idea of addictions and mental illness is a is a conversation of itself and not to not to dump on the people on the side of the road that are struggling in those things we still know it's throwing money down the tubes by giving it to them right because it's not going to help them no, it's not. Even if we don't want to blame them for the situation they're in because of mental illness or drugs, we still know it's not going to help them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how do we as a society on a large scale figure those things out? And which side do we err on? Do we err on the side of, man, I'd like to help people, and if some people that don't deserve it slip in under the cracks and take advantage, we'll live with that? Or do I err on the other side of, man, I, don't want, to, I want to make sure that we don't enable people to live destructive lifestyles. I mean, which side do you err on? I don't know. They're never going to be perfect. No, it's not. It's true. Because they're not going to have a... They're not going to have some kind of morality test when they start giving out these little mini housing to the homeless people. Right. So they're going to give it to everybody, but they're going to tell them these are the rules. Yeah. And then they'll break it. Bad, bad. You can stay here, but don't do right. it again. You know, and they'll keep abusing the system. And I mean, not everyone there will. I mean, they'll be the occasional. Yeah. But let's just face it. That whole mini neighborhood that they're going to put up um, in town off of 16th yeah. is going to turn to garbage. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we know that all... Pretty much universally, all like income dependent housing is real rough. Yeah. It just is. I know. I know. That place we were at is a great example. The, the apartments yeah. with the gun thing, with those kids that, it's because you're enabling these kids, you know, them to take advantage of the system. And that's an interesting, I mean, it really is, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable it is for people to face. Poverty and crime go hand in hand. They absolutely do. They just do. Yeah. And so, 
there's a there's a couple of biblical principles I think that apply to this subject. Okay. And I think they've got to be taken together. And if you take one without the other, I think you get off base. Okay. So we already started with this. Obviously, Jesus said, you know, give to the poor. But there's a lot of principles of in the Old Testament. We could bring up some of those verses, but where even Israel was commanded to love the stranger and to love the poor, and even in their debts, they could only keep a debt for seven years. And they eventually had to give back property after 50 years. That was mm-hmm. originally the family's property, yep. which yep. is really wild to me. So they had all of these principles where even, in your, even if you made the worst choices possible and got yourself into just the worst situation, you had every seven years, you get the year of Jubilee, and all's restored. All debts are forgiven, all's restored, you know. So you get all of that. And then even in the New Testament, it talks about the idea that, man, we ought to give willingly to the poor, to the stranger. To, I mean, that's all throughout the New Testament. But the Bible also has these principles that says, I mean, Paul would say this to a church, don't give to those that refuse to work. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. He says that. If any are not willing to work, neither should he eat. Hmm. The Bible says this, that he that provideth not for his own is worse than an infidel. Worse than an infidel, the Bible says. And that's pretty bad. That's a serious thing. Yeah. And so there's these these almost conflicting principles mm-hmm. throughout the Bible. Right. And I think in a society, if we want to have a biblical mindset on this, we have to take them together. Mm-hmm. You just take either one by itself, and it's very it's very out of place. You know? Yeah. And so I think we have these principles that, you know, as a society, I think we need to make sure we always incentivize earning things versus being given it. Right. And I don't think we do a good job of that right now. No. So even all our welfare s- programs, I mean, they do, they're not earned. No. But I think we could, do, we could really probably do a good job if we really wanted to of putting these people to work. Right. And right now they're like single moms are incentivized to go out and have another kid with some other person because then they'll get welfare and child support. Right. And I've seen that so many times. Yeah. I don't know. It's very rare to have all the kids, you know, single moms that have all the kids the same dad. Yeah. And that's on purpose. A lot of times it is. Yeah. I mean... Just, yeah, it's like mm. there's a very limited perspective of people that really couldn't do any kind of work. I know, exactly. I mean, even me, I can't do that physical stuff right now. I might be able to if they ever, you know, can take care of that. I could right. probably do it again, and that would, that wouldn't bother me. But right. I've, you know, my body's broken from years right. of this stuff, but I can still work. Yeah, I'm. I work by sitting down, but it's right. still work. I still put in a few, several hours. Maybe I don't put in as many hours as some might think I should, because that was a really one of my favorite teachers um, I had in college. On her day, last day there, I asked her, "Do you have any advice for me?" Mm-hmm. And she said, "You can make this job as hard on yourself as you want." Yeah. And she's like, her her yeah. suggestion was make it as easy on yourself as possible. Yeah. So I have done 
my best to go by that principle. Yeah. Because it's, I'm not, you know, it's because really, why, why put in a huge amount of effort if it's like I could write, I could go into huge detail on everybody's paper, but why? Right. They are, you know, some of them might are willing to learn, but most of them are just there to see that they got a good grade. Right. And if they got marked down, why? And, you know, it's like, okay, you broke this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule. Right. And that's, they don't want to say, they don't want you to go into, you know, it's like, even if I understood iambic pentameter all the way, they don't want to hear that. That's an interesting concept, actually, just systemically, is that a lot of people think, man, if you want to, whatever, earn this or have this or get this, you should work beyond your compensation which really is socialism, it's not capitalism. Mm-hmm. So we say like to the McDonald's you know, employee, you think you're worth $15 an hour? Well, should they work beyond their compensation? Shouldn't we expect minimum wage to put forth minimum effort? <laughs> I kind of do. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, but I was raised with the mindset you should take pride in your job. I agree, but is that a capitalistic principle is the point. <laughs> Uh, no, to me, to well, I don't know if you could call it that. You maybe, but to me, that's a good person principle, right? Because that's how I was raised, and that's how my dad was raised. Yeah, you, know, you take pride in your job. But in the system of capitalism, if we go there and just live on that pure yeah. realm, if we have a bunch of people and we push it into people to work at a much higher level than they're compensated for. Then we kind of break the system. Yeah. Yeah. But the same, you know. And then everybody's part time. They're never given full time hours, so they don't have to pay them full time benefits. And we expect, um, and some of these people can only get fast food jobs, and, you know, they'll have families. And right. you can't support a family on McDonald's. And they'll tell you that. And it's like, but at the same time, sometimes that's the only job you can get. Yeah, you know, it's like so. It's not these people's fault, you know. It's it is kind of a broken system when, when a person with a family has to work at McDonald's. Yeah, as something other than a manager. Managers make big money. They can. Well, there was one in Spokane because Spokane had like the busiest McDonald's in like the whole country or yeah. in the whole chain. I mean, there was this one. I maybe not anymore because there's so many McDonald's everywhere, but there was this one McDonald's that was just head and shoulders above everybody else in sales. Oh, yeah. And uh, and Spokane also had the biggest McDonald's, too. They had a two-story one. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they they remodeled and took out the top story because, you know, bums are going up there and out of the the eye and sleeping because it was downtown. Yeah. On the worst street. Sprague, by the way. Sorry, Spokane. <laughs> but uh, he got a bonus one year of like a Corvette. Ooh. Yeah. Right. That's how much money they make. Yeah. So I can, you know, it's like. Uh, Which is a societal problem in and of itself that that many people are eating McDonald's. That's true. I'm going to say that every day. I know you are. Why? Why? Why eat a McDonald's hamburger? I'm going to derail the whole conversation. Why do it? Go get a real food. How much is real food? 
it ain't that much more expensive than McDonald's. But the, it is more expensive. Here in town, if you're going to go to McDonald's, first of all, okay, if you're going to go and maybe get the, like a, the dollar menu, okay, but that's not what people get, right? Like all right, adult still. The dollar all right, menu. where are you going to get a, where are you going to get a, you're going to go get a, you're probably going to go spend seven, eight bucks. All right, but the burger itself, six dollars. Okay, if I go across the street to the burger place here in Sela. King's Row? Yeah. All right, then their good burger is seven bucks. Exactly. So for. That's still a dollar. It's a dollar. But when you're on, but we the people that we're talking about have limited income. If you are that limited income, where the difference in a in a fast food meal of a dollar is that significant, well, you then you probably shouldn't be spending seven eight bucks. For but shouldn't anyway. you be? Should, but shouldn't you be conscious of where you can save a dollar or two here and there? Well, yeah, and that would be involved in making food at home. I know, but if that wasn't a, if that wasn't an option with your time constraints, is that why McDonald's is so popular? That Don't many we people push have to... no time constraints. Have you seen society lately? I'm pretty busy. I have a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people that are busy, and you can make if you want to. You can make food at home. Nobody is coming home. But do you have time to relax? Do you have time to spend with your family at that time? I mean, uh, let's face it. There are some days when you have zero free time. That's true. And that's where McDonald's comes in. If you look at it, when so they started... So you're talking about a subset of the population that is can't spend an extra dollar and also has no time to make food. And that's the entirety of the, the popularity of a McDonald's? I'm going to say that that is... The main, did you say impetus behind their, their growth since they started? Our society's time, we have sped up as a society. That's true. Our time has gone away. Yeah. When they started, they were selling regular hamburgers for a dime, right? I think. And now they're a buck 10 or a buck 19. Right. Okay. And when you think about that, that was single income families. Here's two income families. Yeah. That was four or five kids mm -hmm. and one person to take care of them at home. This is two kids and nobody taking care of them. Yeah. And them have to be shuttled to, to and from school. And, you know, they're extracurricular activity because you're a bad parent if you don't have them and doing gymnastics yeah. and basketball in the fall and all that stuff. So there is literally no time left. Especially if you want to try spending time with your family. That's true. So us as a society has sped up to where we have no time left for the small things. And one of the things that gets sacrificed is the ability to prepare a good, healthy meal. I would say that that is what happens. But I would submit, and this is my opinion, that that is more an issue of culture than it is an issue of actual time. Because the reality is, is we still consume record amounts of media, of podcasts, of <laughs> TV, of video games. Uh, none of those things have decreased over the last 20, 30 years. They've only increased. I know, and that's the same with healthy food. So to say people have no time, I think is a misnomer. All right, so... 
But well, yeah, they have cultural people aren't you know, a lot of things in our culture we've started to lose because most generations today have not grown up in a house where they spent a lot of time with their parents, a lot of time at home, a lot of time where people made food at home, and they never learned to really cook, and so they, it's just not a, it's just not part of their life. They're just accustomed to the idea of eating out, of easy food, of fast food. It's just part of their culture. Okay, well. Whether or not that you can force yourself to do it with time, mm. the perception and the reality is that the time isn't foreseeably there. It's, it may be there, but people don't see it that way. Right. I mean, they're not willfully choosing. A lot of them, a lot of people aren't willfully choosing that. They right. either... There's either they don't have time, they don't think they have time, or they don't have the money, because let's face it, cooking that same quality of burger at home can get quite expensive. It can. That's true. You know, eating healthy, making yourself a salad anymore with uh, everything that's going on is incredibly expensive. It can be, yeah. And then the the preparation of the salad is ridiculous. I mean, so... The combination of the two of saving a dollar here or there and thinking you have no time to spend cooking the same quality meal has forced people to go with the easy option of a place like McDonald's. Mm -hmm. So people are saving time, a few minutes here, a few minutes there, and a dollar or two by going and order a quarter pounder of cheese. That's interesting. And they're spending more money in the end result. Maybe. In their health. In their health, yes. Well, if we're going to go that far. If we're going that far, we'll go to the top, but also in terms of just buying the food. Because studies have shown this, that the more your body gets accustomed to that kind of food, the more it craves it and the more you eat it. Right. But there again... How expensive is it to feed a family of six? At McDonald's? Insanely expensive. No, I meant, I know, I know, but at home, I too. <laughs> I know, but at home, too. You know, it's... So for us, we have a family of six. Yeah. I'll spend probably 150-ish, 160, you know, just to prepare food at home for us a week. Oh, that's easy. And... I could not eat McDonald's on that. No. If we go to McDonald's for all of us to eat, even if we're trying to be pretty conscientious, it's $30, $40. Yeah. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. For McDonald's meal. All right. So that's, I mean, that's a day's whole food budget there. Mm -hmm. And I'm spending maybe $170 a week. And I eat a pretty particular set of healthy foods. I know, but that can get expensive. But that's what, I'm, that's what I'm telling you what I spend. Yeah, yeah. On yourself or everywhere? No, that's our whole family. Okay. And that includes, I actually eat normally, most of the food I eat is separate from what my family eats. And it's a very special amount of food. And that takes time, mm -hmm. don't it? It takes a little bit of time, but you get, you get accustomed to it. I just know at certain points in the week I'm going to make X number of meals. I'm going to bake a bunch of chicken. I'm going to you know, make a bunch of rice. I'm going to put it in Tupperware. And I'm going to have lunches for the next week. You know, usually I'll do four or five days at a time. 
And it's, it's a matter of taking some chicken out, seasoning it, throwing it in the oven, cooking some rice. And I, I mean, you take 20 minutes and you've made lunch for a week. You know, to say people don't have that time, I don't buy it. I just don't. They don't want to have the time because they don't want to learn how to do it and they don't want to eat that kind of food. Well, maybe they, well, regardless of whether one person thinks another person should have the time, their perception is they don't. Right. So that's why they do these things. And that is why we have like 20 some thousand McDonald's in this country. And that is why McDonald's is so popular. McDonald's. I'm telling you, I'm right in this case. I don't disagree with that. You're right. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with reality. I'm just saying it's a problem. It is a problem. I never said it wasn't, but I'm saying why? Why? Or I'm saying uh, I'm saying the the cause behind it. And I don't necessarily think. Let's say, you know, we get. A, basic income and people don't have to work as much and they can quit that second job or whatever. I don't think you'd see McDonald's sales decline one bit. You don't think so? Not a bit. Well, maybe people start thinking they can do more things with their time. For example, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I would bet, if I was a betting man, that since the pandemic hit and people have struggled financially and people have had even more time people have lost their job, I bet their sales have increased. Over the, over the pandemic. Probably. I'd bet it. Well, we have now, what, half a dozen food delivery si um, systems, and we only had, like, three before the yeah. pandemic started. So people with all the time in the world and less money are going to McDonald's more. Well, they kind of feel like they have to, right? Kind of quarantine, self-quarantine, self-stay-at-home. Then it costs extra money to have get groceries delivered to you. If you can't afford a car, you're going to have to have stuff delivered. It's definitely not cheaper to eat at McDonald's than get groceries. No, it's not. There's no way to argue that. Uh, well, uh, it depends on if you ordered off of a value menu for everyone and you did stick to that, it would be comparable. No, it would still be more expensive. I don't know about that. Not if you're eating the same kind of food. All I right. mean, so I got a family of six. We're going to go dollar menu. We're all going to get how much food do I really need? I'm not getting one cheeseburger. It's not possible. No. Starverdale. Yeah. You'd probably get... So I'm getting probably four. Four? That's a lot. That's comparable quantity of food that I eat. Really? Yeah. See, I don't even eat that much. What the heck? I'll eat probably 4,000 calories a day, normally. I don't. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> It's much cheaper. It's actually cheaper than people think to eat healthy. This is so frustrating. <laughs> of course, I take two medications that guarantee I'm, you know, that go against me in that department too. That's a that's a hard thing too. Yeah. You know, and then of course I've handled my stress way different than you, and so has my body. <laughs> I'm not making excuses for myself, but I'm just. That just makes me mad. Please. <laughs> You eat way more than I do. <laughs> I eat quite a bit of food. Yeah. Yesterday, I think I had just in chicken thighs. Let's say this. I had six chicken thighs yesterday. How can you keep eating the same proteins? Different seasoning. Doesn't that get boring? No. 
I'll, actually, what I'll do is I'll usually have, like, a bunch of chicken for, like, a week, and then I'll switch to beef. I need beef this week, you know, and I'll do it for a week. It's just easier than going, I'm going to make a little bit of beef, a little bit of chicken, a little bit of pork, and kind of... Well, here's another thing to think about when people eat out. I mean, would you say for the average American they had any excitement in their lives? I would say the average American has less excitement than they want to have. Well, that's a given for anybody. But if we're talking about the mundane middle middle class existence, yeah. I would say since pandemic hit, it's so boring. Yeah, people have lost any sense of excitement. So where are they going to get that? I would say eating out is an excitement. That's exactly what I'm talking about. But if you're excited by McDonald's? No, for something different. And that is different, and that is an option out there. It's hurting me in my soul. I know. It hurts me. I know. So, But here's part of the problem. But look, they just brought spicy chicken nuggets. I grew up. And they're amazing. In New York, right? Okay. So there was cheap, competitive, ethnic original quality food all over you go to a deli i could get a sandwich you can't hardly eat for three dollars well yeah they had to though i can go there's pizza shops everywhere and i can go get the best pizza i remember i would go i'd get a pizza, slice of pizza two garlic knots and a soda for a dollar 25. i'd be willing to bet that delis like that and pizza places like that are like starbucks in the northwest right like in seattle I stood in one spot and could count six Starbucks signs yeah. from the there's exact not, same there's corner. There's not very many Starbucks in New York. In yeah. the city, there are more of now, but there's really not that many. But you're, there's probably certain spots in that town where you can sit and see at least two pizza places and two delis oh, yeah. at the same time. And so I could go down, and I remember you could go get like a, a, a nice bowl of Spanish food, Spanish rice yeah. and beef and whatnot, and you would spend nothing. It's cheaper. because they had to to stay open. I'm just saying. I know. They, Part they, of it is culture, is the point. But the scarcity of that kind of thing over here has made that kind of food more expensive. Because of culture. Over here, that is a higher step, and they know that, so they charge it. And what's annoying is it's a lower quality. Right. Across the board. Well, sure. I won't argue that Magic Pizza is as good as a pizza place, your favorite pizza place in New York. That's not going to happen. Right. I know that without even being there. Because I'm making a generalization about New York pizza. And so right. are you. I am. Okay. But it's that doesn't mean it's not true. It is true. <laughs> See, that, that's what I mean. It, that, that doesn't take away from the validity of that yeah. statement. So... That means that the abundance of that has made it cheaper in New York to eat that way. But I will say this. I think, and I think I can prove this, that this is tied to culture and the way cultures live. Because you have Italian people, immigrants, Italian people, making this pizza in New York and charging nothing for it. It's great. You go over here, you have some people that they're just going to make pizza, and they think they can charge $30 a pie, and so they will. But now let's go to over on the west where we have a lot of Mexican people. You go to these taco trucks. 
dirt cheap. Best food you can eat here. Right, but that's because that's common. How many taco trucks are here in town? I don't think that's why. I, I think that's a great deal to that. Because look, if there was only one or two taco trucks, they could consider themselves gourmet, and they would put themselves out there as that, and then they could charge gourmet prices. They might. They might. If in New York, you only knew of one or two deli places that were awesome, instead of a dozen, you know, if you had a list of deli, I mean, if they're making top 10 lists of deli places, they're not scarce. Right. Or pizza places. Here, to get that, there is nothing. There is no deli place that's going to be like that. There's not. There's not. I'm trying to think of what is culturally authentic and rare here. Don't even think that way. The problem is there's not really Places much. that consider themselves a step above anything else. But that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that's related to necessarily the quality of food or the healthfulness of food. I think that's just related to the atmosphere and niceness and all these different things. Because like in New York, there are bodegas and little cheap places and this and that where I can go get Spanish food for a dollar. But there's also very nice Spanish restaurants if, where you get an upscale experience. If our economy over here was the same as New York's, where we had 10, 20 million people, and then there were 20, 30, 40 places within walking distance that sold kind of the same kind of food and had to compete with each other, the prices for that kind of thing would be cheaper. I agree. I agree with that, yeah. And that's why it's cheaper in New York. I agree. So that has less to do with culture and... Or that means that at least a good deal of that has to, has less to do with culture and it's more to do with availability and competitiveness. Capitalist reasons. That's part of the reason, I would agree. But if, it's also, I believe, with immigration reasons. So where I grew up, you have, like, especially any place with, like, authentic Spanish, Italian, oh, I'm not, Bolivian, yeah. whatever. You have these guys that have these little shops. And they go to work at 5 in the morning. They start cooking their meals. And they're open till 2.30 a.m., and then they live 50 feet above stairs, and they go to sleep, and then they come back to work. Yeah, and that's not, like... I'm not talking about the quality. Well, what I'm saying is that their their work ethic and what they continue to do and the way that they're willing to live. Where you come out west, here's what I've noticed. People want to be open for four or five hours, and they want to make enough to live a six-figure income lifestyle. Right. But um, those same people... But that's that are... cultural. Those same people that are in New York charging three or four dollars a plate, if they were over here, they would double that. They might just because they could. That's yeah, and that's why they're doing it here. They do it because they can. Right. If these same people had to operate that same business in New York. That's cultural of what we accept as a culture. Right. Well that's you know, that's capitalism at work. And has less to saying. do with healthy. So McDonald's is a thing because of a bad culture of food. McDonald's is a thing because of our society being fast. You can get fast anywhere. You can have authentic. You can get food fast, fast anywhere because there's a McDonald's anywhere. You know what I'm saying is where I grew up, I could go and get a slice of pizza. I could go and get authentic Mexican beans and rice and meat. You know, I know. And it's it's faster than McDonald's. Well, that's because it's all prepared in the back. Right. 
these Mexican places that bring your food out in five minutes, it's because it's right all now sitting I can go down to a taco truck and get food just as fast as I could at McDonald's. I know, but they have no, like a vat of refried beans better there. for you, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you might be missing a cat in the neighborhood. No, but I'm just saying, I'm just the kidding. culture is what drives the the supply and demand for McDonald's. And I'm saying there shouldn't be a demand for McDonald's. There should be a demand for healthier options that are just as cheap, that are just as fast. They'll never be just as cheap. Healthy options are not cheap. I disagree. Hmm. You can't eat out healthy. You can't eat out healthy cheaply. That's correct. But that's because of supply and demand. But if because I made the a demand for it so much lower they will charge so much more. If I made a salad at home that was going to fill me up as much as a double quarter pounder of cheese, not only would it cost me more of my time, but it would also cost a pretty good amount of money to be able to buy the ingredients for a salad I would enjoy enough. What do you mean by a salad I would enjoy enough? I could make a nice Cobb salad. You got bacon, you could put some grilled chicken, you could put some eggs, lettuce with some dressing. I could make that for cheaper than a double quarter pounder. Uh, well, maybe per serving, right? But all the ingredients together are going to cost more, uh, way more than that burger, right? And that was, a and you might be the give you five. Minutes, I know, but so. you might be the only one eating that. So, I don't. It just there's different ways to look at it. What I'm saying is, it's if you look at the ch the poorest countries in the world and the way that they eat, they don't eat McDonald's. No. McDonald's is for rich countries. It's not for poor countries. Poor countries eat home-cooked meals. Authentic foods that are often much healthier. There's something to be said for that. I think it's our culture that drives But they also guys. have more time on their hands. They do. That's true. I mean, their, their whole culture is... That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's like not everybody has to have a car or fast transportation in order to survive. Right. You know, so... And a lot of those authentic meals, they take quite a bit of preparation. Right. Have you heard about this place that has had the same vat of... Oh, it's just like this giant, massive vat of stuff that's basically like a Eastern Asian goulash or something oh, that yeah. they have added to this pot forever how can that be sanitary i don't know but no they've had the same pot i don't know how it's but it's been years they it's add to, they add to the pot people come by and eat it and it's like literally like some of the best thing everybody's ever had i believe it but they have kept adding to this pot and it's years massive. of flavor yeah it's you know like cast iron pans yeah but this pot is like the diameter is like as at least as big as this desk. Wow, that's a lot of flavor. Is this a, where is this place? I don't remember, but it was on one of those that bald guy that does the traveling adventure eating shows. Not not Bourdain. Um, I want to say no, I can't remember his name, but he was. Uh, he would do these this adventure cuisine type show and he found this place that just had this 
I want to say Thailand, but you know, that would be about right, right? Why? Thailand's kind of uh, not known for their sanitary conditions. A lot of countries are not known. I know, I know. Well, I'm trying to say that mildly. Like, you know, food. They have a lot of food culture on the streets there. Yeah. They have a lot of entertainment culture, we'll say, on Mm -hmm. the streets there. Yeah. Not known for the sanitary conditions. I don't think that's wrong to say. There's a lot of countries. We are a little bit, honestly, we're a little different than most countries that way. You look at like most, like you go India, Africa, China, and most of Asia, South America. I mean, you're not going to find most people preparing food with gloves on. No. Or like we would. Or disposable cutting boards. Right. Not talking about anybody in particular. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's like they have their raw meats hanging there all day long. Yeah. Their eggs are sitting in hay or whatever in a basket on the but, you know, and that has been the way for thousands and thousands of years. They don't get sick from that. Right. So why... We do, but they don't. <laughs> no, yeah, well, no, I don't even know if that's the food's the reason. Maybe, yeah. I mean, look at all these things we do to the food. It's like, and the people are like, oh my goodness, you're going to get so sick from leaving your butter out on the counter in a butter yeah. dish. It's like, where did the butter sit before? Yeah. It's like I have never gotten sick eating butter that was out, left on out on the counter until it was gone. Yeah. I have never gotten sick from eating raw cookie dough. Yeah, that remember when like flour now all of a sudden you're supposed to you're going to die all of a sudden if you eat raw flour. See, well, we used to always eat raw flour. We never yeah. cared. Yeah, is that that's like part of a broken system too, right? I mean, it's like why do we have to, you know, do we really have to pasteurize eggs? Do we really have to that's what do I'm all of the stuff to the food. I think food in this country is broken. That's my whole point. I'm trying to say. But yeah, well, that you know, if if we you had Europeans who are first world, they think our food is crazy processed and gross. They have a lot of things we use use regularly that are outlawed in most of Europe. Yeah. Because of the chemicals and the way they're prepared, and it's not you know healthy. Well, and then we say it's not healthy without it. Well, uh, is anybody saying like all of these chemicals we put in food is healthy? It's keeping us healthy, right? The FDA is massively important. That's what I'm saying. No, I meant it's just if, you know, Trump was going the way of dialing back regulations and, you know, one of the things he was, I think he was making it easier to get things to people. And one of the things that would have helped, I think we were getting that way, was, you know, easing the regulations on some stuff like this. And because yeah. it costs businesses money that they they don't eat these these costs. Right. So they dialed back these ridiculous um, things that people have done for thousands, you know, to the level that people have done for thousands of years. Yeah. Nobody gets... Basically, the same amount of people will get sick regardless. Right. And things end up being cheaper. But we've built up the industry, the industry that supplies all that stuff. Just like the reason why, well, 
well, you know, like Biden, that's really weird that Biden's trying to do that with the jails, but yeah, I thought, wow, it's kind of impressive. Yeah. I'd give him good marks on that if that happens. Yeah. But is it going to? Well. What odds do you give on that? Yeah. Then let's move that to the cost of these food regulations and dialing that back. You know, and the corporations and companies that are involved in all that stuff, you think that's going to be let to, you know, happen? But here's what I think. So you try to adjust that from the idea of food regulations. And what happens is more toxic chemicals end up in the overly processed foods. To keep it safe. That people buy. To keep it safe. Right. We know this is safe, so therefore we'll buy it. Right. Because the problem is the culture of the way people eat. That's what I think is the issue. Because we eat all these processed foods. Mm -hmm. And that's culture. We don't have to. We choose to. If we didn't, they wouldn't exist. They wouldn't. It wouldn't be an issue. Well, some aren't. Aren't some products cheaper buying them processed? Though, I mean, if we bought, if we don't know how to do the things ourselves, we have to buy it, right? So, um, well, that's the thing. We don't know how to do those things anymore as a culture. Yeah, it's like look We've how lost that. Well, look how expensive. You can't make your own applesauce and have it be cheap, right? Sure, you can. You go out and buy a bag of apples, and it's like seven or eight bucks, right? How much? That's not going to make a lot of applesauce, and you know. And then the applesauce you can buy that you know if you don't know how to make it, you know, the correct way where people are actually going to eat it, is you know is super processed to make it cheap. You know, so it's. But you can make applesauce. We make tons of it every year. Okay. And it is, it could not be. Did you before you moved to your new place? No. And why is that? I don't like apples. And? (laughs) Now I have apples readily available. Right. Not everybody does. That's true. That's true. So yeah, that's even another issue. And buy super expensive apples because they're not cheap anymore. And that's really an interesting thing because, um, and I really love this that's happening, more and more people are getting into gardening in inner cities. Oh. And so oh. it's not even like, well, nobody has land anymore. You go to like um, downtown Seattle, you go to New York City, there's all like these, I mean, they're tiny little corridors and these places put on top of apartment buildings and people are finding ways to grow food. Because of guys like this guy I found on YouTube who, uh, who figured out how to use every available space on his property yeah. for growing food and he would show people how to do it. And then he would own like a lot somewhere and he would basically he sold organic ingredients to chefs in the area. Yeah. So he would use every space he had on his property, every space on his deck, you know, everything had a planters, potter, everything had stuff in it. Yeah. And then he would own a property that was just a fields. Yeah. And he would pay somebody to help maintain that. But he would go personally on his bike between places gathering or the orders right for yeah. these chefs and then he would talk people that had property into letting him use it as his garden yeah you know or he would talk a person that had or that lived there that had room and he would you know he had all these little spaces like that and he would show people how to do this for themselves yeah. and make their own little greenhouses you know with right. the 
bending the PVC and putting this queen over it right, and, you know, yeah. all that stuff. And he was so much fun to watch. So now we get into even way cheaper actually growing your own food that is a viable thing for most people. People in apartments can grow food. Yeah, but you have, if they're let, if they're allowed. Like education. If they're allowed. You can grow enough food in pots indoors to almost feed your family. Not me. Okay. <laughs> My daughter would eat the dirt. Well, okay. Yeah, you got... There are certain things that become... I wouldn't say every single person could. Yeah. My, every single I would Literally, my daughter would eat the dirt every yeah. day. But I would say in the predominant amount of circumstances, it is possible to grow a good amount of your own food if you had the education. Yeah, I know how to grow food. Right. You know, it's like I've done it before. I Here's an interesting food. statistic. I don't know if you know this, but Ethiopia, one of the poorest countries in the world. Yeah. They, people starve to death left and right. They can't hardly do anything. Their soil is so rich that they say that they could grow, if they wanted to, 70% of the, the world's food if they actually utilize that land. Hmm. The issue is they just don't know how. They don't know farming principles. They don't know how to grow food. I wish I knew how um, to grow it on a large scale so I could go to a place like that. And I don't. I'm learning right now. Yeah. I have no idea. We're getting through that. So how many tree or how many acres of trees do you got? We have two and a half acres. And how much of that is trees? Apple trees. Um, we have five trees. Oh, that's it? Okay. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> it really is. We have two cherry trees, three app two apple trees, a pear tree, and an apricot tree. A partridge? No. <laughs> I hate apricots, but we get them. So you hate apricots? I'm not a fan. Oh, I would love fresh apricots. Well, I'll give you some next year. That'd be great. Because the ones you get in the store look like they have a well. Some of the produce does have like a layer of wax of some sort. Yeah. And they're, yeah. And so then we have probably, I would say it's about a hundred by hundred area. That's a garden. That, that would grew. be massive. That would be pretty so massive. much fun. It's pretty huge. And we had some issues with the soil, and so not a lot of things turned out. But from that amount, we had more food than we could possibly eat. That's why we're making applesauce. We're just like, what are we going to do with 8 million apples? You can make your own apple cider vinegar. Good, yeah. It's you disgusting, should. but... Uh, <laughs> it's good in hot sauce. It's good in hot sauce. It's good in, like, a chili. Yes. See? In rubs, it's real good. But... Uh, be real good being sold to people. No. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, the, back to my point of the culture of food, the reason why McDonald's and fast food and poor quality things and overly processed and people eating potato chips and, you know, ketchup that's more sugar than anything else, I mean, all those kinds of food is a cultural issue. It's not a time issue. It's not a poverty issue. It's a cultural issue. Well, you can't separate a time issue from culture. That's true. Not in this country. That's true. Although, wait, not... Never mind. This country, realistically, should be like three or four countries. The way the 
cultures right. are. If you talk about culture, for sure, for sure. Because let's face it, there are some areas like Appalachia where time's not as you know a huge of an issue as right. over here, right? You know, or just stuff like that. So I mean, that's a whole another topic. But you know, we're never going to be a united country again. Um, I think right. I think we're more likely would be better off being three or four independent or so, independently, you know, or sovereign districts or something yeah. um, because we're just so different. That is a whole interesting concept just in the idea of, of how vastly different the cultural dynamics of different regions are and people traveling between them and moving yeah. and the way they impact. Well, like you know? the way you talk about New York. Yeah. That's not the same. Realistically, it's a totally different world. Yeah. It's a totally different world. Like Alaska, you, it's just so different than here. I yeah. mean, it's like, I don't want to say it's like, I've said it's like a third world country, and that's not really fair, but, you know, half the state, more than half the state is like a third world country yeah. because you can't drive there. They live in really bad conditions because yeah. personal neglect and the fact that they can't get anywhere because yeah. it's bringing lumber is super expensive because you got to fly that stuff in or yeah. get it in by boat. Right. So, yeah, it's like each... We've got so many different... It just seems so unrealistic at this point to get everybody on the same page. I think that's... I think the issue that we're... A lot of the issues we're facing is the fact that we can't... We can't handle that anymore, though. Yeah, we can't. We can't handle the idea that people are different and we're diverse. That's our country is based on that principle. The biggest population area in the country wants to make everybody else in the country live like they do. Right. And that's just not going to happen. We willingly. just can't handle the idea that, like, it's okay to make rules that fit us here and for you to have different rules that fit your culture where you're at. Yeah. Like, we can't handle that mindset. Yeah, it's like, why should Montana have the same applications to, um, to say, hunting that people in Southern California do? Right, it doesn't make sense. No. I mean... People realistically in Montana could probably hunt all year round, right? And and Alaska, as long as you didn't let the tourists all the time in coming in. Well, that's probably what would happen. The yeah, thing. the Alaska thing for sure. Yeah, I mean, then it wouldn't be then it'd be cheaper. <laughs> it really would, but uh, yeah, and so. So to circle it all back to our original topic. Yeah, I'm just, tie it all back together. <laughs> I think a lot of the issues we face in the idea of what social principles we have, what programs we have, whether we're capitalistic or move towards socialism, I think a lot of the issues that we face become just cultural way of life issues that we've come to accept or that we refuse to accept. For example, we refuse to accept that, that homelessness is a thing. And I think that's, a, that's an issue that we just... We live in a, we want utopia where I don't care what you do, there, there's going to be homeless people. Well, in the most progressive city in the country, absolutely has the worst homeless problem. Yeah. Yeah. And where defecation on the streets is like their major issue right now. Yeah. And, and which is kind of, I don't know if you want to call it ironic, but. But I'm just saying there's no way to solve the homeless problem 
Oh, there's not. We can help it. We can do things that are going to make things easier or better or this and that. But unless you start euthanizing everybody that's homeless, yeah, you're not going to solve it. No, that's true. And then you get in the whole eugenics issue eventually. Yeah. Which ties back into a social estate. Right. So. And that's what I'm saying. I think it becomes a mindset issue of what we what we demand society to be like and what we accept as normal and what we like to see. We're un- we're unhappy here. Americans are unhappy. Yeah. And we are so much more unhappy than third world countries. <laughs> our suicide statistics, our depression statistics are worse than people living in a field barely able to eat. Yeah. And I think it's a mindset issue that we face. We have an expectation for life that we're trying to match that isn't realistic. And so we try to go, well, socialism's going to fix it because it's going to provide everybody with this dream life. It's not ever going to be good enough. Hmm. And that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Yeah, well... That's true. Just the fact that we're human means nothing's going to be good enough. I mean, it just it just seems that way. It's like everything always seems like it could be a little better. Yeah. But, you know, especially if you're... And being given more opportunity doesn't mean you're going to be that more satisfied. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's that is really weird. But then you make these third world countries if you try to make them prosperous and they end up being prosperous then they end up not being as happy either right so it's like uh, you know when you look at like uh south africa is probably a pretty good indication of that you make them more progressive bring them into the bring them in the current standards for society and all that in general and look what happens it just goes the opposite way like instead of uh black people being persecuted and because, you know, they're different, it's like white people are being persecuted because they're different, you know, right. and because they were in charge. And, you know, and it's like, you know, now you're you're still getting white people getting their properties taken away in some countries in Africa. Yeah. Because, you know, black people got their properties taken away. It's like they don't realize that a tit for tat thing like that, when you're talking about stuff that happened so long ago, isn't going to fix anything. Yeah. So bringing them into a more progressive thing to help ease their burdens is not going to make them happy either. Right. So that brings it back to the idea that maybe the economics, maybe changing the, the only is not going to be the thing that changes the culture. Right. It's going to be, what would you say? Bringing, um, bringing uh, the Bible into it. That's what I say, and that's why I always, even when we started and started even talking about politics and all these different things, I just I just get a little disheartened when so many Christians think what's going to fix people is a different president, different this, uh, of man, better economic principles, better, less this, and more, you know, all of these different things that we've shown over and over again it doesn't it doesn't change people's hearts I mean, we know that 
that Jesus is the only thing that's going to give people real satisfaction, real hope, a real sense of of peace. But the missionaries are the ones ruining these small countries all over the world, right? <laughs> In some ways, I think, um, and I know this isn't what you meant, but I think missionaries sometimes do do a disservice. Oh, yeah. Because they go in and they, they live an Americanized lifestyle and they give people this idea of well, the reason why they're happy is look at how much better they live than I do. Well, look at the Methodists in the Pacific Island countries. Yeah. Look how many of those they ruined. All the cultures that went away. Yeah. That was because of the Methodist church. Yeah. And so, yeah. But at the same, so you have to got to do it the right way though right i mean they they still probably don't have jesus uh introduced the way they should have i yeah. mean there's so. been a lot of places where uh, and again it's the same mindset of tying cultural things to the gospel and going somewhere and saying man they need to live like an american no no they don't and i i hope everybody knows jesus is not an american he never was and he never will be yeah, and he doesn't look like those paintings. Yeah. You know, it's like he he's looks not a like... white dude. <laughs> well, yeah, but at the same time, he's not, you know, I, I don't think he was... Well, yeah, it's like the Jews back then probably had darker skin. Yeah. You know, and he's going to probably have a bigger nose and different hair that, than we do. Right. He's not going to have long, flowing hair, although his hair was probably long. It was probably longer than we would consider short. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I mean, I don't think poor people got their hair cut a lot. They did, but it was the way there's studies that go how they cut their hair then, but it probably would have, I mean, it was likely, you know, neck length, shoulder length, you know, probably not longer than that. No, you don't think it would have gone down to the shoulders a little bit? No, because in Jewish culture, they very much part of their law was that it was a shame for a man to have long hair. And they would consider long below the shoulders, like long down the back. I didn't so, mean that long. I meant right. like around the shoulders or so. Yeah, like it would have been uh, the Roman style of that day, Greek style, would have been kind of shorn here. So they kind of would have grabbed it in a ponytail and cut it with a knife. And so it would have kind of fallen, you know. Do you think that he wouldn't have done like the Nazarites or whatever and had super long hair? There's no evidence that he took a Nazarite vow, no. And actually, a Nazarite vow was very seldom for more than like a year. Really? Yeah. So Paul did a Nazarite vow once. Yeah? And it was a year long. Um, specifically, Samson's, his being a lifelong deal was very unusual. Yeah. And he treated it that way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll do what I want. No. And of course, the hair was just one part of it, a Nazarite vow. But there's no evidence that Jesus ever did a Nazarite vow. Yeah, there's no... Isn't the idea of being properly manicured like that uh, a Western thing? No. It's kind of it's more even a Jewish thing if we're talking about it from that part of their viewpoint. Even the super poor? Yeah, the, the Jewish law had a very specific set of cleanliness and... You know, the, un, the word unclean was big to them. Right. In terms of the way they ate, even to the point to where when it came to, Jew, to Jesus' day, and this wasn't Bible, but they even went a step farther 
And the Pharisees would say, you need to wash your hands before you eat. I mean, they went very far with all And that's of why they got mad at, like, Peter for eating. Well, that was one of the reasons why, right? Right. For, what were, right. And besides them being picking things, which was work on the Sabbath. Right. Well, that was okay, because that was, you were allowed to do that, and they left a pertinent amount. But the fact they didn't wash their hands while they were doing it before they ate was huge no-no. Right. Which wasn't even Jewish law, but to them it was equated because they had this. So they made a really big deal about being much cleaner and much more sanitary than the cultures around them, and it filled them with pride. Yeah. Which is very interesting, because we kind of are that way. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, we've developed a lot of things, and yeah, they, yeah, it's not just it's not just cleanliness. It is a level of pride. It's like we don't eat like those dirty, right, uh, shack people in you know poor parts of other countries. Right. I see. I watch like a lot of food videos, and a lot of the comments are, "I would never eat that." When you see this guy, he didn't wash his hands. He's not wearing gloves. Oh, I would never eat that part of an animal. Nobody does. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no... Just all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like if you go to another country that's not one of these first world places, you're just going to have to leave your expectations of that kind of thing at the door. And uh, and you'll have to find... Boy, then the eating habits, like the eating customs that they have in other countries. It's like in India, if you... If you eat with your right hand, uh, people look at you like you have three heads. Oh, really? I didn't know that. You've, like, totally offended them. You know why? They don't have toilet paper. Oh, yeah. So they all use a specific hand to clean themselves outside of the touristy areas. Right on. And I think it's the right hand. I think he, I could be mistaken, but Pastor, uh, he remembers something of a no-no that he committed while he was there the first time he was there because a, a pastor I hadn't spoken because he's been over there like seven, eight times yeah. on different trips. But he went to shake somebody's hand with his right hand because that's what he's accustomed to doing, and they were totally offended by that. Weird. Yeah, and that is because outside of the touristy areas, they don't have toilet paper. <laughs> well, see, there you go. Yeah, and to us, that would never, ever happen. I think toilet paper is very unsanitary, personally. Well, what would you... Oh, you do you have a bidet at home? I do. I haven't... I actually have just got one. My wife got me one for Christmas. Do, I haven't used it yet, but... I was so that was my next question. Do they actually work? I don't know, but I will say this: if you got feces on your hands, yeah, would you take a dry piece of paper, wipe them off, and go? That's clean. No, I would wipe it off. I would wipe off my hand, finish doing what I was doing, and then go wash my hands. You would wash them. Yeah, with soap and water. I do that all the time anyway. After. Getting it. Take a shower, but that's not. No, I don't always take a shower. (laughs) But that reminds me of a of a website that I I used to play this online game. It was like the first MMORPG out there. Okay. Asheron's Call. Okay, yeah. That was my favorite game ever. My brothers too. Yeah. But they don't. Anyway, there was a guy on there that was the most famous player. 
he called himself Beelzebub in the game. <laughs> and I happened to play on the same server, and one time, when I thought that a PvP player could kill in that game any person on the spot and take all the stuff. Oh, yeah. Instead of being inside a PvP area. Yeah. I got scared to death when I saw him when I was inside a house in Milnor or building and he came by and I saw his name. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. Yeah. He hopped onto the top of the house I was on, mm -hmm. stayed there and kept and then for a little bit and then kept going. It scared me to death. <laughs> but uh, he had a website where he compared fast food places not by their food but by the quality of their napkin to do the job of cleaning yourself after you've passed their food that's an important work yeah and he, he and i was reading the this description to my wife and um, back when, before we had kids and she was crying she was laughing so hard <laughs> and then he got to taco bell and said i've never bothered rating the napkins from Taco Bell because I would just go and take a shower afterwards. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Who had the best? We need to know. Um, remember? Who was the best McDonald's. I think he said it was Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. Um, At the time. I guess they might have cut costs. They've cut costs everywhere on Pizza Hut. Yeah. It's very... I don't know if they do it anywhere, but I know in Alaska... Their dough was preformed, came in frozen. They didn't roll it out and. I believe it. Everywhere else, I'm not sure about. I don't know if it was fair to call Pizza Hut pizza. Well, it certainly wasn't in Alaska. You could get much better pizza from a local place, even yeah. if it was harder to get and more expensive, which often go hand in hand. That's true. Quality and price. Here, they I don't know if they roll out their own stuff anymore. I have no idea. I think a lot of it's preformed and packaged. Probably. Like they pull it out of the freezer, put their stuff on it, and then put it, and that's, and they put it through the oven that crisps it up. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's all. Really to reach out to Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, out. and these other places, these smaller chains can't do that. Right. So they, you know, that's why they form their own, and that's why sometimes they have a, so much better crust. There you go. So, but uh, I think Pizza Hut has switched to a preformed crust. Pizza Hut, Domino's, Papa John, Papa John's is good. The, all of those need to go in a basket, and we need to stop calling that pizza. I would kill for a Papa John's here. And Domino's is head and shoulders above Pizza Hut. Oh, this hurts my heart. It's <laughs> making my soul. I don't like white sauce on my pizza. There is no such thing as white sauce on pizza. It doesn't belong there. People, it's like, it's almost as bad as putting ranch on pizza. In the South, they do that. And they do it in the Midwest, too, sometimes. Which is like... It's this is a big problem. It's a food culture problem. <laughs> but there's a white pizza that is not. They don't put Alfredo sauce on it. Ridiculous. But it's just a simple amount of cheese with some ricotta 
with different spices, and it just doesn't have a red sauce, but it has enough creaminess from the ricotta. It's not some jarred Alfredo nonsense. I have to have the red sauce. Well, except the white sauce pizzas here that my wife likes. She likes the one that, you know, they probably use Alfredo sauce. Yeah, it's jarred, again, processed, nasty, not real food. And this is why New York should be its own place. I bet if you made like an actual, you took some butter, a little cream, melted some Parmesan and mozzarella in there and made us and put that on a pizza, I bet you'd like that. Probably, but that's... But that's not what they're using. No. That's what I'm saying. We need to, we need to change our culture. <laughs> and start demanding real food. Well, see, this won't happen in every part of the country. But it could. Only if you made people do it. It's education. Yeah, who decides that this is the proper way to educate people? Who decides it's proper? That's exactly Real right. Real food. Yeah, but... Versus processed garbage food. You want to take away people's right to eat whatever they want? I don't think it's... Their, I don't think they desire it. They just don't know better. And that's according to you. You're going to tell me somebody would legitimately eat Papa John's over... A fresh made, nice Neapolitan from New York where the dough is made fresh, the sauce was made fresh, the cheese is fresh, the ingredients are real. You're telling me anybody would go, not rather than Papa John's. Are you telling me you ex deal with people on a daily basis and think that there's not someone out there that this would be the case? There is somebody, but okay. the market would severely change if people were just, if they just knew. Yeah, by someone else's standards. And they were, you know, educated by someone else's standards, told to think like somebody else. No, I'm thinking you just took a child from the time that they were young and you get put both choices before them and they were raised with both choices. You didn't have to tell them anything. They wouldn't know which one was better. Really? You think so? Absolutely. All right. If you go home for the average child... And you put in front of them a piece of chicken that you cooked with the spices and a chicken nugget. You're going to tell me that child, all on his own, is going to eat that chicken versus the chicken nugget. If you properly prepare the chicken, yes. I disagree. At a certain age. I will say at a certain age. There is a demographic within, you know, the... The two to like eight, nine years old. I was going to say, anything in the single digits is going to choose that chicken nugget almost I every time. I will do that. But that's like a physical and psychological, you know, palates are not defined yet. I mean, that kind of thing. There's. <laughs> do you really think that there's adults that have fully developed palates? So I have a 12-year-old. And she's going to be 13. She has, over the last year and a half, I didn't force her, I didn't ask her to. In fact, most of the time, I'll just say this, I'm making a bad parent, I don't know. But I will give, if we have better quality food, and we have two different meals, I'm going to not give, like, the expensive, nice, ribeye steak, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. to the kids. They don't, they don't appreciate it. They don't know. Yeah. You can have the chuck steak. You don't know the difference. You, don't, you couldn't care less. Chicken nuggets, there's no one talking about. But over the last year and a half, 
she has now realized this all on her own, and she wants the better, fresher, better quality food. You don't think there's a reason behind that? I do, because I've made it available to her. She's right. tasted it. But you, you think there's other societal issues at work behind her decision? Of course. Like, perhaps, maybe I'll not work look a certain way if I continue to, you know... Like they say, societal pressures on girls to look this way. Uh, for her, I don't, that's not a part of it. I, would I don't say, think at all. Not in the food. Actually, I'm, I'm helping her with that right now because oh, I know. she has no concern for that currently in her life. But You don't think she's looked at these other people that are Of eating? course. Okay. But well, I'm, telling you, I'm, t- I'm just talking in terms of what she finds is better food to eat. I know, but there's got to be some... I mean... I think it, there is a there is a psychological probably element where she knows I consider these foods better, and that might play a part. And I won't look like so and so if I. I don't think that's that's not part of it yet. We're dealing with that because she's still learning that part. In fact, she would. Right now, I mean, she'll even just eat, and she doesn't think that's even an issue. And I'm like, well, you gotta realize that this might have an impact later on your health, and this and that, and you might care later. Might. My eight-year-old's worried about being fat already. Yeah. I don't think that's something she should have to worry about. I agree. It's like, she's she's really concerned. And I'm like, that just sounds so sad. Yeah. And I think that's, well, I think that's an issue with any kid, really. I mean, come on. It's like, let's be honest. I was made fun of my, you know, for my whole life. There were a few times I, yeah. You know, I wasn't that way because I lost weight and everything. But, but uh, there's pressure on everybody to look yeah. a certain way. And I think there's a certain age where that starts affecting your head, and then a kid will drastically change their diet yeah. when they realize they can't eat everything. Yeah, <laughs> my boys can eat anything they want. Now, now, <laughs> well, look at James. He doesn't gain weight. Yeah, at all. I mean, he does from growing, right. but he doesn't get fat. But like, he, we, I mean, we all know eventually he will, you know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's, he's got some, you know, he's got some issues. Oh, yeah. But you know how a lot of kids will, you know, they'll plump up a little bit before they grow? Yeah. He doesn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> he just grows. Yeah. So it looks like he's getting skinnier and skinnier as he right. gets older. Justin will do that a little bit. The girls will do that a lot. Yeah. You know, because girls are genetically different, and right. they don't want to admit that. But yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other issue. <laughs> uh, that reminds me, have you seen the picture, the new way that they're drawing the female She-Hulk? No. What do you mean? Something different? Yeah. They've redesigned her. Oh, okay. You got to look that up. I'm scared. You should be. <laughs> yeah, think of uh, the recent issues with female sports in high school. And then think of She-Hulk. Is she actually a she? I don't know. So that gives you an idea of what they look like. No. Okay. Well, I mean... Look it up. It's coming. It is. And it's awful. This is incredibly awful. I mean, we're going to find... I'm actually very surprised that in children's media we've we've not had as much 
as we probably could have had in terms of gender and sexuality and well, all these spectrums. It's all baby steps. Like I said about the other things. Yeah. You know, a little, this program's a little baby step towards socialism, you know? And yeah. it's the same way in every area of life that they've tried to change everything. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at, uh, you know, it was one of my favorite shows, The Honeymooners or Flintstones. Look at the way they made fun of men yeah. in those things. And now look at the, you know, and back then that was hilarious because that's not how it happened. Right. So everyone thought it was funny. But now that is how it happens. Yeah. You know, it's baby steps towards a certain attitude in society. And so they've been doing that a little bit at a time. You know, it's where, like, say, the birdcage. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that was like a, you know, a whoa moment, and right. you know, in movies. And then you get keep getting more and more of that, like modern yeah. family, you know, and it's like, it's just a little bit some baby steps yeah. on towards everything. Um, what was another show that that recently did that? Oh, like the the next season of Empire Academy is gonna have Elliot Page instead of Ellen Page. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it will. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, they're not changing the story at all. They're gonna. So, but she's gonna be in the thing as a man. Yes. Oh. I did not know they were going to do that. I was curious of how they were going to manage that. Yeah, they're, apparently the character is going to go through the same process. So it's going to showcase. Uh, it's going to end up being a showcase, yes. So they're really going to just devote a whole episode to her transition. Maybe a whole kind of maybe the whole season's going to be... They'll just rewrite the whole thing about that. Yeah, maybe the whole season's going to be gender-themed. Wow. See, it's baby steps towards a certain direction or yeah. certain attitude. Oh, yeah. And this has been happening for a while. I like, look at, um, I know people laugh and say it's absurd, but look at that stupid show with those uh, Muppet looking people with the weird symbols on their head. Uh, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, that, they all had the same face and one of them was purple, had, had a triangle. You talking about Teletubbies? Yeah. Okay. One of them had fe was feminine carried a purse but he was clearly a dude looking guy I have no idea about that yeah well people were saying it was the character was a guy acting like right. a girl you know it's, and even if it wasn't the truth it's baby steps in that direction yeah well maybe that's something to talk about next time is just the effect of media on all of these things culturally and mm -hmm. as believers how do we manage that that's why I'm so interested in the idea of social media. Yeah. Nobody in our section of the culture is taking it seriously as this huge yeah. thing. And that's why I think I, you know, I don't know. I'm like, I'd like to be part of the conversation. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to do something with social media. If I were to go on and get a doctorate degree. Yeah. But that's something else I want to talk to, even in the matter of these tech companies and censorship and who's driving media and even now we've got social media and it just has a bigger and bigger impact in our lives and what happens and especially as Christians. And mm -hmm. I'll say this because we got to stop today. But, yes, we do. Um, as Christians, even in the terms of, if we circle right back to our original topic in the conversation of capitalism and socialism, Christians are affected not primarily by what the Bible teaches, 
they're affected by what is promoted culturally by media. Mm. Which is why there's an older generation who is, it's not because it's what they, they think the Bible says, it's because what the media and culture has presented as the right American Christian way of life is capitalistic. Mm-hmm. And there's a younger generation who has now been taught and believes that the American way of life is toxic and wrong. And to fix it, we need to go towards socialism. And they're not influenced by the Bible. It's not because it's not really not because they think the Bible just says that. It's because it's what the media has pushed and what culture has promoted in them. And as Christians, I think we need to take a step back and stop looking at what our preconceived notions of Christianity is, what we have thought based on what we grew up with versus what is said, who's for us, who's against us, and say, what does the Bible really teach about this? Oh. And where it's not clear, we ought to have some grace and some wisdom and not assume we have all the answers. That's interesting you would say it like that because, um, well, I think that instead of, you know, I, I think that people, humanity has inherently a God-shaped hole. Yeah. You know, and you can say it that way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, cultures have either filled it up with their own version of religion. That's why you have, you know, God's represented like this or God's represented like this when clearly, you know, they all, everybody has an idea of, you know, they all came from the same area. So everybody, every society inherently had an idea of who God was. Right. They just tried to fit him the way they wanted to. Like, I think you said that in the service yeah. late last year. Yeah. I can't remember. From uh, Romans chapter one, yeah. Yeah. So, so nowadays, the, the gods, uh, the gods, uh, what, what, you know, humanism, it's, yeah. You know, and that's why people are being pushing towards socialism because that lifts the idea up as humanism as the right as the ultimate god. And uh, there was a song. Um, are you familiar with anything from U two in the nineties? Yeah, of course. Uh, the pop album. Yeah. The song "Mofo" on there. It just had this really hard techno. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and he's like, uh, a long time ago. Mother, am I still your sweet son? I've been waiting for so long to hear you say so. Well, anyway, yeah. one of the lines he had in there was like, looking to fill that God-shaped hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they're a Christian. They're Christians. Okay, yeah. I don't know if the bassist is, but the rest of them are. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and if you listen to U2 music over the years, just pick an album mm-hmm. and keep that in mind that he sounds like he knows more about the Bible than most seminary graduates. Yeah. And I think he does. Yeah. He has a very good grasp on some biblical concepts. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, look up. There's a 60-minute interview he gives on his belief in God. Yeah. That is one of the clearest testimonies of a belief in God I've ever heard. Yeah. He is I haven't clear. followed it a ton, but I've read some stuff about them being Christians. He is know. clearly saved. He clearly knows God. Yeah. Whether or not he has his ideas straight, on the other hand, right. which most people don't, right. that aren't, he does not believe in a church because of it being corrupted. And right. no, he's right in, to an extent. But. You listen to 
U2's lyrics with that in mind. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh my goodness. He's like, he's not talking about a woman here. By expressing love for a woman, he's talking about his belief in God. That's interesting. You know, that kind of thing. You're yeah. like, it just, it's mind-blowing listening to some of these songs. Yeah. With that in mind. And uh, so that's what it brought me up. That's what, he talking about that, and then me thinking of, well, the God-shaped pole thing, and then it reminded me of the song Mofo. Yeah. <laughs> which I heard live. Oh, yeah. Best concert ever. No question. That's it, just right there. YouTube. Yeah. And if I took you to a concert, you would agree. All right. You would. You absolutely would. Even if you don't like their music as much as a certain band, yeah. you would agree that their concert was the best you've ever seen. All right. I haven't been to very many concerts in my life. I don't feel I have either, listening to some people, but apparently I've been to a lot more than most. All right. Well, you know, it began with, like, Dizzy Gillespie when I was four. Okay. He came up to Lathrop High School and was playing a concert up there. I didn't sit for the whole thing because I got a little bored. Yeah. But, you know, four-year-olds tend to do that. Right. But and then I think I saw Paul Revere and the Raiders at the Alaska State Fair. Okay, yeah, yeah. Back in the 80s. Uh, I took my dad to see his first Beatle in concert. Oh, wow. Yeah, my first pay, my first Father's Day after I got a job, yeah. I bought tickets for us to go see Ringo Starr and his all-star band. Yeah. And there were so many famous people there. Todd Rundgren, Joe Walsh. just it was, And it was insane. And then, who else? I saw Janet Jackson, but that was free. And I was asked to by my boss and his son. <laughs> and I was not going to turn that down. Do you feel embarrassed that you saw Janet Jackson? Yes. <laughs> I do. Is that worse than if you saw Michael Jackson? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no idea. Why didn't you ask that question? I don't even know. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, seriously. I probably she, wouldn't go see Michael Jackson. She is like a Chinese knockoff of Michael Jackson. Right. She's just quality-wise. She's not even in the same conversation. No. But. Lyrics? Skill? Anything? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not even as a person. But I just mean like the persona of Michael Jackson and what he was about. Would I want to go to a concert there? Yes, because it was a show. I don't know if I could do Michael Jackson. I could. After the Neverland thing, I was out. None of that was ever actually proven. I agree. That's a whole conversation about how people are condemned before anything proven. One but the, I'll say this, if you are a grown man and you make a theme park to invite kids to come play with you, did anything happen? I don't know. I'm not going to judge it. Right. But that's weird. Yeah. It ain't normal. You know what it is? He's making sure that other kids that have a better childhood than he had because he had no childhood. Right. And it might be all of that crazy upbringing that he had and abuse. Oh, you know that effect. Came him. forward in something that had great intentions but looked super weird. Or maybe it was super weird. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one of the people that was closest to him has never said anything happened. Even after he died. I'm just saying. I mean, old Malcule Culkin was like this with him for yeah. years. Never said anything happened. He even said nothing happened. Even after he died. 
Does that mean anything happened? Let me put it this way. If I have a, a friend of the family, grown man, uh-huh. and he says, man, I made this really cool playroom. Can your kids come over and play with me? By themselves? By themselves. For the whole weekend? Yeah. Guess what? We're not friends anymore. No. I don't care what... Maybe you didn't want to do anything weird. Well, well that's we're not you, friends anymore, but... That's you and I. But look, look at these. This is somebody who probably... He literally was worth more money than everyone that knew him. Right. So. And he was. Whether he was that brand of disturbed, he was a disturbed man. Yes, he was. And I wouldn't have done it. But people weren't seeing that part, were they? Right. They were so seeing what I'm that he is was I rich. I wouldn't want to support that. No. Well, I wouldn't want to support the artist. No, I know. But I would have seen. I'd still to this day would have seen a Michael Jackson concert if I had the opportunity. I can only I could do it. I wouldn't see the Dixie Chicks. You wouldn't see the Dixie Chicks, but you'd see Michael Jackson. Well, for one thing, their music's horribly annoying. Well, that's fair, but... <laughs> Michael Jackson was a one-of-a-kind musician. Or, I wouldn't say musician, um, entertainer. That's it. We got really got to stop but that's a very interesting concept in our culture and as people as individuals. We have a tolerance proportional to somebody's talent. Well, if we're gonna if we're gonna evaluate their talent fairly, we have to separate the artist from the person. But I mean, what we will tolerate in a person's life that before we decide that they're terrible and we can't have that. It varies proportionally to how good they are. Yeah, you want to know the best example of that I can ever think of? Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He would show up high. Yeah. He would do coke in the parking lot yeah. and go play a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, remember Waterboy? He mm-hmm. was in that. Yeah. And he talked to Bobby Boucher and said, "That reminds me, children." Don't do crack. Oh, my goodness. This came out like a month or two after he got busted for trying to pick up a prostitute with crack in his car. Right. And it made every... It was the most unintentionally funny moment. Well, maybe it was intentionally funny, but nobody thought it was funny unless this happened before him. (laughs) And everybody laughed. Laughed their butts off. Yeah. So, anyway, you say we have to stop. So we'll stop. I think it's 3.20. I need a nap. <laughs> I've talked a lot, and I don't usually do that, except on Thursdays. Thursdays. Yeah, this is the most I talk all week. I talk about this much most days. Yeah, not me. I'd rather not. <laughs> well, it does. It makes me have a headache later. I believe it, yeah. So It, it is tiring, tiring honestly. It is. for Especially if you're an introvert... Which I believe is a thing. I, yeah. That's people that don't believe it's a thing? Yes. Oh, yes, it's like, how many services right. have you heard preached? <laughs> that's true. You're right. Yeah. yeah, they're like, no, that's not a thing. Neither is you know, the whole mental illness thing. Like, you want put down. Yeah, yeah you know, you pray it away. <laughs> we got to talk about that, too. I know. And that makes me so. That kind of thing. Uh, I just get angry. But anyway, 
Yeah, and my introvertedness makes talking wear me out. Yeah. Anything that's extroverted, like I have, I have trouble concentrating when I get home after going to the store. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's sometimes I'm in a store and I just forget why I'm there. I mean, it's like uh, if I go by myself. Yeah, that's, that's my wife. wife is. Yeah, it's it's not quite terrifying, but it's really close. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> Yeah, but even me, I'm not that way. But Sundays after I've talked all day, well, I'm that's, exhausted. That's totally, yeah. Anybody that it seems like anybody that has a job where they they have to work hard, no matter what it is, will should, are going to be tired afterwards. Yeah, I mean, even if it's you know people are like just talking, it's like really, right. you know how much work goes behind getting up and talking in front of people, right? It's, yeah, or talk, you know, or sitting in front of a computer and talking to people. Yeah, that takes a lot of my energy to concentrate and not want to go. Oh, I'm done here. Yeah, there have been some times where I've gotten a headache before I was done, and I stopped because yeah. my head hurt so much. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm, I've got a massive headache. I feel nauseous, so we're gonna end it here, and yeah. it's because I've been talking. Right. So I don't know. So I'm gonna go home, and because my head hurts, and take a short nap because they'll want to eat here within the next hour and a half but not mcdonald's <laughs> maybe not tonight <laughs> i really want some spicy chicken nuggets though no hey this the spicy chicken nuggets changes the flavor enough to make it an acceptable form of food it's not even chicken it is chicken it's a chicken product it is it a chicken chicken. product it contains chicken. It, it contains, contains some chicken. Yes, but it's like the way hot dogs are made. Even if they're all beef. And would I say, man, I'm having some beef tonight if I was having a hot dog? You would say you were having a beef hot dog. I'm just having a hot dog. No, because there's pork and chicken and beef you hot dogs. You what kind of hot dog you're having. Yes. No, not a beef hot dog. Not a pork hot dog. Not no, a chicken hot dog. No, because the normal hot dogs is stuff we don't buy. We buy the beef hot dogs. Me too. We say we're having beef hot dogs. I because there are plain hot dogs that are just nasty. I think chicken nuggets should just be called a nugget. I think beef hot dogs should just be a hot dog. But they're not the only kind of hot dog. You don't want people... That's like you saying having a burger. You specify it's not a McDonald's burger. I don't say if I'm saying I'm having a burger, I don't say I'm having a beef burger. No, but Even you say, but you're saying I'm having a King's Row burger, or a burger from King's Row. No, you don't. I would say I'm having a hamburger, and I assume you know I'm not getting McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's. Wendy's. But people don't Wendy's. assume you're eating a beef hot dog. They don't, but I don't care what they think. No, but I care <laughs> about the quality of my hot dog enough to say it's not the the ones with three animals put together. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do have a little a little guilty pleasure in hot dogs and bologna. I'll eat a, I'll eat a good bologna sandwich. Oh yeah. Even though, what is bologna? Who knows what he's even. It's basically a, it's basically a flat hot dog. Yeah, it's not any different. No, it's not. Although they have beef bologna. They do it's not as good. You don't think so? I don't think it's as good. 
the German what I can't pronounce the name, but the one that's clearly a German brand yeah. of beef bologna in the delis. Not quite as good to me. You don't think so? No. Oh. It's gotta have that like have you ever fried it for a sandwich? Yeah. Oh. Yep. You ever fried it for a sandwich and put a fried egg on top of it? Now you're talking my language. Oh my goodness. Yes. There it is. Oh my goodness. So tasty. I and there's a there's a cultural thing that I shouldn't eat. I shouldn't like that. But I do. It's delicious. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That sounds like a good place. <laughs> All right, well, uh, okay, until next time. <laughs> I don't think it has endings have to be as eloquent. No. I don't think so. Okay, then that's it. <laughs> <laughs>